0: This is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Stories of the Supernatural. Wherever you find us, whether it's a video or podcast on your favorite platform, please like and subscribe to us so that you can get notification of when a new show is released. You can also find us on major social media platforms. If you go to MiamiGhostChronicles.com, you can find links to the videos or MP3 files, which you can download and enjoy without commercial interruptions. If you're into classic horror, ghost, and adventure stories, I narrate Nightshade Diary, and you can find links at NightshadeDiary.com. If scary stories are your bag, and listening to encounters with cryptids, ghosts, dogmen, and other weird creatures sends a shiver sure up your spine, then go to SupernaturalStoryTime.com for links to our weekly podcasts. Noteworthy news about the paranormal world, true crime, conspiracy stories, and anything that is just plain weird can be found at eerie.news or visit the Stranger Than Fiction Stories tab at Chronicles.com. Please subscribe to my newsletter on Substack. Just go to mppelliser.com for a link. I want to thank you for being part of my audience, and I think you are all wonderful. Hi, everybody. How's everybody doing? Good? Doing well? Here we are, getting close to Halloween and i know a lot of people have asked me because i've mentioned it before i am going to do <clears throat> a live stream for halloween but in case you know you're even though it's on a Monday, all right which hopefully everybody's done their partying the weekend before uh don't worry because you know even though i do the live stream i am going to have the uh, the the show available for anybody that wants to watch it afterwards people have asked me also what are you planning to do this one on uh, because everybody really liked when I did the one for Mardi Gras back in February, as far as all the weird stuff around Mardi Gras, the crimes and the murders in New Orleans. So I decided to, well, um, let's I'm gonna I'm gonna see what I come up with. And uh, not only um possibly crimes or murders committed uh you know during Halloween, but maybe a possible tie-in to the occult, whether it's dark practices, oh, anyway, something maybe along the lines of why. Were these uh, murders committed at this time of year? All right let's see what we come up with because uh, you know if you go by what you know is reported in some sources, you know, there is uh, sometimes an uptick in certain type of murders that sometimes law enforcement I think is recently realizing when they go to a crime scene that there might be some type of indication if there was some type of occult, um, Hey, Slim, be careful. No, that's one of my dogs. Uh, an occult motivation for the crime, especially if it's a stranger on stranger crime, that kind of deal. But speaking about crimes and murders, it ties right into who the guest is for tonight. This gentleman has been here before. It was a few years ago, and his name is Robbie Thomas. And uh, he's a psychic. He's been married for 27 years to his lovely wife, Ligia. Together, they have three beautiful daughters, and he focuses his entire core beliefs around his family and faith in God. The strength comes from the tight unit of family he has who supports him totally in everything he does with the paranormal and spiritual fields. Robbie's incorporated the family structure in the business of creating television, movies, and his writing, which gives a real strong foundation for his family working together. They, as a family, are very active in community social and charity events, and this also stems outward to other communities as well work hard, play fair, and love life while doing everything you possibly can to make a difference for the better is a motto Robbie lives by. By the way, it's a very good motto. Help me welcome him. How are you doing tonight, Robbie?
1: I'm fine, Marlene. Thank you for having me.
0: On the contrary. It's my pleasure. Robbie, I know I probably asked you this a few years ago, but for my audience, how did you discover that you were psychic?
1: Oh, this goes way back. Um, I'll take you right to the beginning, age two. Sure. Yeah, um, I used to run around the house, and, and it ties in perfectly for the uh, reconciliation that's been going on in Canada as at present. I'm Indigenous, um, okay. Métis, Algonquin blood. So, age two, I used to run around the house saying to my mother, "Either I'm adopted, or I know there's somebody out there." and she would get a little bit by it my father would be you know leave your mother alone get in here fast forward to 1994 now um we're talking 1968 69 right up to 1994 now i'll tell you the night before my mother passed i had and a lot of people have experienced sleep paralysis you can't move but you're visualizing everything that's playing out before you and i had the four horsemen in my bedroom and they were going around and the white horseman stopped and said not to worry everything's going to be fine in your life from here on out but this is what's going to happen and were
0: you and this was basically you were conscious you just couldn't move this is how you're witnessing this right
1: absolutely Okay. So not only being stunned and knowing that the premise of who I was being able to see and feel and what have you, and I'm 28 years of age now, 1994, roughly. Um, yeah. So they played out when everything was going to happen that day. And the next morning I'm a little confused, bewildered, hurt, and like, Every morning, I'd go over to my mother's for coffee and toast Mm -hmm. before going to work. On this occasion, walking into the kitchen, she would usually greet me, and she never did. She had her back to me. I found that even odd. So I sat down, and I started explaining to her, I'm really compelled. I have to tell you what happened last night. And these are the steps that happened throughout the whole course of the night. And then I explained, and I went through, and I said, you know, they told me, it's your day. Today's your day. She turned around, asked me to leave. Now, I know many people can understand that push-pull factor where you you, you want to stay, but you have to go because you've been asked to leave. You know that something's going to happen. It, it, it's sunken inside you already. So off I go. I'm back home now, sitting with my wife and my best friend came over to go to work. About an hour, roughly, and the phone rings. It's my father in line, and he's screaming, it's your mother, it's your mother. So we race back over, and I remember them pulling her out of the house, one EMT on top doing chest compressions, one pulling the gurney. I remember her little purple socks, her hand hanging over the side. And as they get her into the ambulance, we race off to to the emergency. I stopped at the front entrance of the emergency, the doors, the threshold, and as they were bringing her in, the one fellow was pulling, stopped right in front of me. And I heard her. The man pointing the compressions to her chest heard her. And he turned to me and goes, did you hear that? And I said, yes, did you? And then he didn't have time to reply because the other guy pulled her through into the to the ER. Now we're into the room and they announced my mother had passed. So I sat for about, oh. Two weeks in the backyard, became a recluse, you know, w- raised my fist to God, you know, why you rip my heart out the whole nine yards that everybody else goes through. In the meantime, after the funeral, my mother's brother and sister, my aunt and uncle, pulled me aside and they said, all those years that you kept asking your mother that you were adopted, oh you weren't adopted, we did find her your mother had another baby before you in the fifties and her name's Mary. So, Oh my gosh. So, you know, the wheels were spinning, you know, I was right since age two. I knew all along, you know, that, that vibe that was going Uh on. Um, Then I come to realize and find out the reason why, you know, it was being indigenous in the fifties. There was 200 and 89 schools in Canada, residential schools, and there's in the United States, a total of 480 some schools throughout North America, where they would take indigenous people or children from the adults or the parents and place them in these schools. And they called it to kill the Indian and the child to make them, and and I'm not using this to be prejudiced, the terms of back then, right? To make them. Right,
0: right. right, Exactly.
1: Exactly. Right. So tradition's gone. Um, ethnic gone. Mm-hmm. Everything is changing. Right. Um, they adopted my sister out. They ripped her from my mom's arms in the fifties
0: and okay. adopted
1: her out to a white family. Now, my mom gave birth to her when they did this at St. Anne's in Col- um albany ontario one of the worst residential schools i mean they built a miniature electric chair to mimic electric chairs and that's how they tortured the children and killed them yeah um so you're reliving part of my life and i'm and i'm just you know making awareness of what sure happened right so that's what i grew up knowing all this through my whole life now and and of course you know teenage years, peer pressure. Uh, My first book, as we discussed before, was I wrote that book in 2003, two, somewhere around there, 20 years ago. And in that book, I wrote where my peer section would crush me because how could you come out in the 80s, in the early 80s and late 70s and say, you know, I have this gift, you know, I can see here and what have you. So I wrote all that in that book, in my first book. And now I'm up to 10 books
0: I have out. Um, Let me ask you something. something. So So what did your mom do? do? Give you up for adoption to this family so that you wouldn't be taken away somewhere and be sent to a school? No, my
1: sister. No, no. um, I was raised with my mother and and my new father. She met a man in the 50s who promised her the world and said he was going to marry her. But he didn't. So my mom was a young teenage 15 years of age and back then in in the 50s women got pregnant and and got married at at those ages right yeah so the marriage never happened so now the catholic church looked at upon that as there's a child who's pregnant and we're going to take that child into our custody
0: Mm -hmm. and
1: we're going to take the child away from her when she gives birth and that's what happened now fast forward to the 60s she met my father married him then had me and then so you have this little snot-nosed kid running around going <laughs> now i understand i misunderstood okay so oh, she okay.
0: yeah because of course it was a few years difference now she was older and it was a different situation and okay yeah so yeah. And, but they they had no one she must have been wigging out trying to figure out when you were this little kid telling her that she must yeah. have been thinking how does he know that
1: yeah um yeah. My mom, she was very spiritual. Um, I just, you know, I can't say enough, like, like anybody's mom, you know, you love them. Sure. Right. And yeah. So um, she was very well, well intuitive as well. But I mean, just looking at that and the aspect of what you just said is, you know, yeah, I must have really bothered her. I mean, somewhere along
0: the lines, like, this kid's getting on my nerves. Yeah. Well, because think about it for her. How does he know that? You know, you're like, there's a way he can know that. But somehow he knows that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So Crazy.
0: What was it that she told you when she told you that morning that she passed away? Which it sounds like you were like a little bit surprised when she told you, I want you to leave. Yeah. That was the worst. Because I imagine you must have thought, why would she do that? Yeah. You had already had that.
1: Yeah. I was. It was a- you know
0: why I bring that up, Robbie? Because sometimes people, especially when they, they either go to a psychic or they're psychic themselves, yeah. and you know they either have that intuition or that presentiment or that vision. And I think sometimes people don't realize there's certain things that just cannot be changed. The inevitable. Right. Just because you can foresee it doesn't mean you're foreseeing it in order to change it. No. It's just there's no, no way to change it.
1: That's it. That's, That's it. it. Yeah. I mean... The 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 emptiness I felt. There's no other cold explanation to say than um, my soul was ripped out of me, knowing that this was going to play out today. Right. And there's nothing I can do about it. Mm -hmm. I don't want to believe it. And of course, you know, the human factor takes over, and ah, I'm I'm not going to believe, but and it happened. It it came to fulfillment. Um, I learned big lessons out of that and we're on a path either you me or whoever and the path we walk there's many lessons in this life to be humble to be to be a beautiful person to 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 be truthful to be um the upstanding individual you can for your day that you live um that was her moment and sure. you know she moved on to the spirit world and and, and as we all know we're just not gone we're gone we go on to much more better place um yeah i mean now i i'm with you and i can giggle about it and and you know but it it was it was harsh i mean when you look at it reconciliation in canada is september 30th Mm -hmm. she left september 17th so every september 17th i'm knowing that the hardest day of my life is the 30th because i begrudge all what they did to her and my family in those okay. schools, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you can imagine they tortured them, they starved them.
0: Let me you ask know, you: Is this? The, and I don't know if you, you can tell me. I read maybe a couple of months that there was a I want to say was this type of same type of school where they had found some mass graves at. Yeah, is that yeah. the same school or was it in the same area? Um, they were talking along the same lines that all these children have been taken there, oh, and
1: various schools okay. throughout Canada. yeah from british columbia right out, out all right across canada up and up in okay. uh, way up north yeah and there's some in the united states as well um okay. yeah so the the funny thing about it is i have a good friend of mine mm-hmm. her mom was one of the 13 that were picked from across canada to go talk to the pope in italy okay because he wanted to apologize She went and she posed one question and I got to know the question before she even got on the plane. No one else knew. And she says, my mom's going to ask him and she's going to ask him, when are you going to give back all the artifacts you stole? And I sat there and I go, Oh my gosh, you're going to talk." Like that, she goes, My mom, you don't understand. She's like in her 80s and she It's like she she doesn't care. (laughs) She don't care because you put her through so much for years, right? Yeah. And she's a survivor. And I'm a survivor from that because I'm a second survivor through my mom, right? So I said to Deanna, I said, Yeah, well, she's got she's brave. She's a brave warrior, and I'm glad she's gonna do that. She asked the question, he said, you know, they were gifts, nothing is a gift you know, and when you take it and there's so much that's been taken. So, but you know what,
0: were these these schools run by the Catholic church or by the government or by, or was it a combination thing?
1: Oh, it's a combination of the Catholic church, the United Uh church, the Lutheran church, the Presbyterian Presbyterian church, the uh, Anglican church, the church of England, Mm -hmm. um, and the government. See what happened was back in the day, the church made a doctrine. The Doctrine okay. um, of Discovery, that's what it's called, Doctrine of Discovery. Okay. That gave the ability or the lawfulness of okay. colonialists when they come over to enslave indigenous people, take their land and kill them. The three main things they wrote in that doctrine, the government adopted that and made it law. So then that's why you had the residential schools for so long but, and forever.
0: But I don't um, understand. So, you know, you could say the government could have made those rules, but you would think that these Christian religions, like you said, whether they were Lutheran, Catholic, whatever, they would have said that's that's against our religious principles. We can't. We cannot do that. Yeah, I don't understand. that's the part I don't get.
1: No, I know. And if we go further, see um, Champlain. I'm the I'm the great grandson descendant of Chief Roque Manitowich, who was in Quebec who's the Huron Nation Algonquin tribe. Now, a lot of people have seen The Last of the Mohicans movie. Where, yes. Right? Okay, so you, you see the Huron Nation tribe that's in there. That was my great-grandfather's tribe. My His daughter, um, Marie-Olivier Savestry married the very first European documented by the government and church in 1644. There's a okay. huge park in Quebec donated in um celebrated for my family. The names are all there. Um, and as you can see, a uh, Metis okay. that's the symbol, right? A uh, Metis nation. Um, Champlain came over. Cartier and Champlain 1590. So we're talking the beginning, right? Right in the beginning. Okay. The pilgrims landed in Massachusetts. And when they landed there, my grandmother, Unu Uchukapanuku, is married to Broke Manitobowich, who had a daughter named Marie Silvestri, right? Okay. So, UNU was in Maine, Abenaki tribe. I'm Abenaki, mm-hmm. Ojibwe, Huron Nation, Métis. That's my bloodline. Okay. So, a direct descendant. So, when the Pilgrims first landed in Massachusetts, and they had that so-called turkey dinner, they never really had turkey dinner. Many more Pilgrims came in on other boats that you don't learn okay. really this pool. They tied up the tribes in small pools of people, murdered who they could, burned their villages. They sat down, had dinner, and they called it the Thanksgiving. That's, what, that's the true Thanksgiving. Then they took whoever they could and shipped back to England as slaves. I'm sure people have known this. And then they took the rest of them and enslaved them all or, or killed who they could. They went right. from tribe to tribe and village to village all the way through. My great-grandmother, descendant, her family, Abenaki, escaped from Maine okay. all the way into Quebec, Canada. And that's where she was born and Roque was born. And then they met in 1590, roughly, and got or some, about 1600, sorry. And then they got married. And they had a child named Marie-Olivier Silvestri, who married Martin Prevost, French, from Paris. And started the Métis Nation. Um, so there's a lot of history in my family. Right, basically.
0: exactly. Yeah. That, uh,
1: yeah. So the,
0: absolutely. I can imagine. Yeah. God, it's incredible that you know all of that. You know, a lot of mm. people can't ever. You know, some people do, but you know, the best some people get is the the pie chart, like where am I from, but not not direct names. You know.
1: Yeah. Um, oh, I got I got records that go back to. Their jobs, what they did, uh, okay. fur trading uh, was all documented back then in Canada. If, if, if a man married into um, Indigenous people, they documented everything, like your job, right. your children. And I got um, my chronological list of names. Um, I'm 13th generation. Um, I'm 12 back from Marie. Um, I'm eight back from having full blood, which is I'm still Indigenous Right, um, And then everybody in my tree line were indigenous marrying indigenous. So there wasn't like there's was a huge break and there was just a bunch of white people. And then I came out. Right, and right. I mean, yeah, it was all indigenous. Um, So, yeah, I thoroughly got it all done by the government of Quebec. Um, a genealogist ran all the charts and everything. And I'm glad I got okay. all that record right for my children. So now of course, when my children. Of course, that's right? what that's, of course.
0: that's what you that is what you hope for. Yeah especially with that interesting history and let me ask, now that you're talking families did psychic abilities run into family
1: oh, yes in my one book i got i always got to start this way because everything you were you talk about or anybody I, I always start off and there's a story in the book right um signs from heaven we bought this home from a lovely lady named gina now gina lived here one complete year and her mom and dad helped her renovate the house. Okay. My wife and I were in the house hunt and gave it up. So we just drive one day around this beautiful night neighborhood. And there's a sign on the front lawn. And she goes, Oh, I love that house. I said, I'm going to inquire. you know what? Let's even just inquire about it. So we did. And Gina, um, we put in a really silly bid, lowered the price. Right. And I thought, Oh my gosh, they accept these. They accepted it within an hour. Lease, we got we, we got the house, and then not only did that, they threw in brand new washer, dryer, fridge, and stove, like everything, right? And then the realtor called back and go, you gonna believe this, but she's lowering the price. And I said, how can you lower the price when we agree to the price, right? But it happened. And then the realtor goes, because you got me, I'm giving you one percent back on <laughs> on my commission. And it was like, we're in heaven here. So we got this beautiful uh-huh. home, right? And as I'm signing the papers with my wife. The realtor goes, oh, and um, the reason she wants out is her mom and dad were hit head on in a uh, car accident and killed, but they, they helped her uh, renovate the home. And I, Oh, my gosh. My heart fell because, you know, I now I'm thinking I'm taking advantage of this poor girl. And, and I started right. feeling really bad. And, and the realtor said, nope, nope, nope. Gina wants you to have the house. We got the house. Great. Now we're in the house. Um, we're my bedroom is where her mom and dad used to to stay in that bedroom my one daughter stayed in a small bedroom upstairs there's three upstairs and there was two downstairs she liked the one up there so we, we let her have that bedroom every night she's screaming and she's they're swearing at me they're they're the man won't leave me alone and and so i said okay and i could feel this this pull in her room I'm going, oh my gosh, this is not good. I set up a camera and all you see is streams of light, like in poltergeist, right? Just shooting across the hall into her room, like it's a porthole void area. So we move her out, put her into another bedroom. Problem's all gone. I called Gina up and I said, Gina, we have a little problem. And something else has happened in the meantime. My wife has seen this little girl running around the house. And I've seen her once or twice. My kids have seen her regularly, but she comes down to my wife before we go to bed at night and says, "Teach me how to play." And Liza would pull the covers over her head, and she goes, "He's here again." And so the girl would leave, right? And so I, Gina, she goes, "Oh my gosh!" She goes, "What room are you in?" I said, "The one at the bottom and the front." She goes, "That's where my mom and dad used to stay," and. I told her the problem that I just told you about my daughter's having that little room. She goes, and Michael, my son, would stay in that room so the doctor would put put him on Ritalin because he thought he was hallucinating and, and, and seeing things. Aww. I said, he wasn't because my daughter is going through the same thing in this house. And she goes, oh my gosh. And I said, but Gina, there's a little girl running around and she keeps coming to my wife saying, teach me how to play. And she goes, oh my gosh. She took a big gasp and goes, no. My mom would go up to Michael's room each night and say the Catholic prayer, teach me how to pray. So the little girl was coming down to my wife, wanting to say, teach me how to pray.
0: This is the the prayer.
1: So Uh we figured it all out. And uh, yeah, so everybody here is seeing, you know, crazy, crazy happenings.
0: So do you think that maybe she lowered that price? Part of it was heartbreak, but another part of it was like, I need to get out of here yeah Probably. That, yeah
1: yeah because yeah. I, I mean yeah. she loved this house and you know what the funny thing was too and i'd catch her i'd go outside and gina for oh my gosh maybe i'm gonna guess here um three years maybe longer mm-hmm. she would park her car across the road and i'd go out and there she would she'd be staring at that she loved this house yeah this was her, you know what i mean and mm-hmm. And she, one time she followed me on social media and she said, if you ever sell the house, please let me know. She wanted the house back. So, I mean, yeah, it's
0: crazy, you know. Um, But yeah, usually I've found that when you get stuff like that, and I'm going to tell you a real short story. This was many years ago, kind of a similar scenario where me and my husband, we were looking for a place to buy, but we wanted something bigger. And, you know, one of those things, and we drove out like towards, you know, where they have the bigger properties and they had just some brand new developments. And we were like, oh. There's a house for sale. It couldn't have been built maybe a year. It was a really charming style. And you know, we uh we called up the realtor and surprisingly there she was the person was asking like maybe a couple of thousand dollars over what if you walked into the models you would buy it. We did something similar. It was a little bit smaller than what we wanted, so we said, you know what? We're gonna offer three thousand dollars. No, five thousand dollars under what she's In other words, we thought she's going to take a loss on this. There's no way. Same thing. The realtor calls us back like the next day. No, as a a matter of fact, I remember when we told the realtor our office, she goes, well, she's like acting like I don't think she's going to go for that because she's that would, you know. And we said, okay, well, but, you know, the realtors have to give any offers. Yeah. Yeah. She calls us the next day. She goes, she's accepting it. And we're like, what? (laughs) And then truth came out was that apparently somebody had broken into the house while she was there. Oh, and she was so, so petrified. Right. But she didn't care if she took a loss on the property. She just want, you know, and by the way, the area was, it was a nice area, but I think it's that because it was remote since it was a brand new area on the edge of town, Right? probably what it, I, I'm not sure, but I think she lived alone, but my point is it yeah. wasn't, it was just that fear that once you get that in your head, yeah, you your, your money doesn't matter. Not that much yeah. anyway.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. It's funny with, um, you know, and, and that, like you, with me, it played with my emotions a lot because I really cared for, for Gina. And just the having knowing that she came by all the time, right? In her car, you know, I was like, oh. But yeah, it was amazing.
0: Um, but you know what? But it's just, that's the way it is. And you're still, obviously, you're still living there, right? You're still living here. And the, you. here's the thing
1: one day my daughter goes, Dad, there's seven women on the front lawn and i'm going i could be so lucky right? yeah it's, it's like going, what are you talking about just just seven women on the front lawn so i open the curtain and then they're all there and I, I go out and meet them and they said we were the original people who lived in this house in 1950. i said oh my gosh she goes yeah my dad built this house we owned all this land there was no houses here we were the first house ever here. And I said, Oh my gosh. So I let them in to see all the renovations that were being done by us. Now they Uh loved it. And I said to them, you know what? We put a pool in the backyard. And as we dug down, we found big horse bones, but we found something really peculiar. I said, do you ever bury your folk in the backyard? And they said, no, we never did. I said, okay, because we found a little girl's hand with a frilly um, dress part and When I pulled it out of the ground, I couldn't make it. I was dusting it off. And it was her bones and her hands and a little part of the bone here with the frill on her wrist.
0: Okay. And
1: So I put it back in the ground. (laughs) You (laughs) must have been like, oh. I was freaking, yeah. And uh, I was thinking, oh, my gosh. So I asked him, said no. I said, okay, fine. So I went to the next door neighbor, Rob. Yeah, same name. He was a, a jail turnkey and um i have police officers that live across the road and what have you and i talked to george he goes don't report this because they're going to shut your backyard down and Mm -hmm. and i said i know and then being indigenous i know that first nations will come and my backyard will be you know occupied for a long i won't be able to get my pool in so i did ceremony myself put the back in and and did what i did and because i know what to do um fine everything's great so then they bring their another year that went by and then they bring their brothers over. So now I got the same girls, the brothers and they come over and we're talking about this. And they said, the one brother said, I think a long, long time ago, way before any of the houses or this was developed, there was a farm that used to live way over there, but the indigenous people used to roam in here. And, and sure enough, um, we live by the border of Michigan. So and I'm not far, I'm a, I'm a like a stone toss away from the river. So, I mean, you had the um, Ojibwe all in here and the Hurons and everybody, right? All through here. So, yeah, it's amazing. Just amazing. So, yeah, we sit there and go, that's the little girl running around the house.
0: So do you think that she was buried because her family was the one that obviously it wasn't that family that lived there but no the farmer that lived close by or what do you think
1: i'm i'm more or less going along with the lines of indigenous people because
0: okay.
1: um when they dug up the blue water bridge area mm-hmm. uh, my buddy's backyard where it all started he goes to me oh here's another part of the story he goes rob we're seeing apparitions in the house grandma's going that's his mother-in-law lives upstairs we call her grandma mm-hmm. Grandma's going crazy, and the, the, the doors are closing in the house. I go over. Okay. Sure enough, there's stuff, right, happening. Well, we dug up his water lines, and he goes, I'm changing my water lines from the back to the front. But there's more access to me I have my kitchen over here. I said, okay. We started digging. We started digging up body after body. So oh, they closed Lord. down his, um, <laughs> his yard. This is where I know you're going to close you down, right? All right. And, we took the bones to Toronto forensics okay. and it made the news 700 years older than Christ. It was headlines yes. and, and it was, it was amazing. So everybody was buried one foot from each other, two feet down straight in the line. And then there's other bodies still there, but we didn't dig them up. And first nations came ceremony, but his backyard was tied up for, I think seven months and he couldn't do nothing. Sure. Um, and, and, and it's honorable and, and, reasonable right, right. right yeah so then that spurred the big huge dig along the riverfront where they're finding all the artifacts and it was a, it was a community of indigenous people that lived there so i know that coming back in
0: usually era, waterways there's always yeah. settlements close to waterways you know because right. for obvious reasons
1: yeah absolutely
0: you know so what right. it's so funny because earlier today i was researching an article and it talks about this uh, discovery that they did in the 1930s called Minnesota Woman, okay, right. in Minnesota, all right? She was discovered, they, same thing, they were doing uh, digging a roadway and they discovered her about two feet under and this was in the 1930s and when they pulled it out, they thought she was, you know, they, they thought she was maybe like, like you said, maybe around the time, 2000. Finally, right. fast forward, when they did the radiocarbon a little bit, Turns out she's like eight thousand years old. Right. Okay, long because see, they're they're realizing that, because they were thinking the first indigenous tribes were around in that around that two thousand period around the birth of Christ. And she right. kind of disproved at least you know Michigan and that she they've somebody's been around for a long time. Yeah,
1: the,
0: the thought was she was she was a teenager. She was fifteen or sixteen years old had never had children. That's how intact her skeleton was. Uh, then they determined also that they think that because she had a, a layer of shells on her that she either fell off a boat or through the ice. And then that's that, uh, that's why the shells settled on top of her because they found a lot of shells on her. And um, she was buried by the Sioux Nation in, uh, on their land. You know, so in other words, after they took the, you know, she's not she's not accessible any longer for study. But her discovery proved that what they had thought about as far as settlement of Natives, you know, indigenous tribes is way before.
1: Oh, exactly. There's a place about a half an hour from where I live and the paleo people. Now, if you Google the paleo people, they date back 15,000 years to 20,000 years. So way before Christ, and there, the mm-hmm. settlement, and it's called Rock Glen. You can Google Rock Glen Arcona and okay. you'll see everything there. I take my family there every year. We go home and just to pay homage and see the beautiful waterfalls and all the artifacts and what have you. Yeah. So, and I mean, we go back, oh my gosh, even further. If you're really thinking going way up North you know, to the Inuit, the mm-hmm. Eskimo, right. Um, Oh, my gosh. Even out west, the British Columbia, uh, all through the states. I mean, yeah. I mean,
0: people. Right. It's, 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 it's in other words, so much for uh, for what they say is fact that, you know, now a lot of these things, the academics have had to, like, retract and give different timing to this. Now, let me and, and I'm curious about this. Do you consider yourself a medium Do the dead people come to you or do you just do the psychic as far as maybe seeing what happened to them?
1: Yeah, um, the, uh, like real quick, uh, grab this behind me.
0: Okay, so the,
1: the title in the book you see, Psychic mm-hmm. Profiling, right. right? That is derived from law enforcement, um, okay. even like the yeah. real deal, whatever it says there. That's mm-hmm. the title from them. Um, okay. if you go on my website and take a look, I, I'm, I'm an indigenous seer, okay? Um, people call shaman, mm-hmm. um you know, I'm just trying to get the different terms, psychic, um, that that term came along a long time ago with, um, um, colonialists coming over and what have you. Um, I used to say a long time ago, I don't like, and I still do. I don't like that terms. Right. So they, they say, well, how do you identify yourself? I said, my name's Rob. My mom, my mom gave me a name. My name's Rob. Um, but do I see, yeah, hear, feel, everything. Um, like when I go on a case, um, you know, being with law enforcement, right on death scenes, looking at autopsies, questioning subjects,
0: okay. um,
1: suspects, uh, you know... Um, if we get into a couple of cases, I can give you a real good. And the reason right? why I
0: asked you is for, for a moment that <laughs> I was thinking, was this little girl that they're seeing that your wife is seeing, I'm thinking, what if some, if she's really coming there because of you, because something happened to her, that's why I was like,
1: right. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, um, Mac used to love going into Jessica's room to play with all her makeup. Right. And Mac being the middle child. So she's sneaky too. So she'd sneak up into Jesse's room, and you go down the long hallway. You had to turn right, and go about three or four feet to get to Jesse's door, and you open it. And you go into Jesse's room. Well, all we heard was a big scream, and Mac come running down the 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 stairs, falling the first floor, second floor, run into the living room and grab me, and she says, "The girl was standing right there at the door." You know, like she goes, they all, be all seen them. Right. So it's, I think the little girl, even pre us, Mm -hmm. when Gina was here, she was going through the same thing. Um, And I, I looked at the family and I mentioned, I know I mentioned that the girls that were out front and we mentioned that to them, certain girls, the the older ones, they looked at each other like, and I know they know what I was talking about. They just want to, yeah. So it happened to them too obviously
0: yes like oh boy he saw her yep yep so fast forward how did you find yourself involved in a criminal investigation or of a murder
1: i went through to be a police officer twice um funny that hired and fired in the same day (laughs) yeah um 17 year old you know Kid knows everything, but I mean, I went through all the psychological. I went through all the physical, all the interviews. Uh, it was a, a week of all this with law enforcement in my hometown. They were taking three auxiliaries, so I I finished in the top three. I'm happier in a peacock. I I don't care what anybody says because at age seventeen, all was in my head was I'm a cop. I'm a cop. That's all I um, that had right? right, and I'm just happy sure. to tell mom and dad. So I remember sitting in the chief of police office and there's two auxiliaries to my left and I'm by a chair by myself in front of the chief's desk. And this big burly guy comes in and sits down he grabs the paper and he congratulates those two over there and shakes their hands and everybody's, you know, happy family and didn't shake my hand, come over and sat down and he goes, son, how old are you? And I said, chief, I'm 17. You know? Yeah. Yay for me. And, um, he, they start giggling, and then he's laughing, and he goes, you have to be 20 to be an auxiliary. Oh, boy. And he goes, I don't even know how you made it this far in the process. And he was having to laugh that I, I, I had a mustache. I mean, I was built when I was 17. Right? So, okay, my bubble got bursted. And he, uh-huh. then he said, don't give up, you know, keep going. So then later on, I got hired on when I was 21, 20, 21 years of age, a little okay. town outside of Toronto, Canada. Then I come home and now I'm getting ready to move to Peel region and I have to give away my house, like the, the rent we were renting and give away my dog and, and, and get ready to move right away to go down there. Um, sitting in the kitchen, the lady screaming in the backyard accident accident. So I run out the screen door, hope jump up on top of the fence and I see her in her, in her house coat and she's pointing down the laneway of this row of townhomes and she's saying, Accident. So I hopped the fence and I started running the driveway and it curved out to the road. And I'm looking and I'm looking for traffic and everything's normal, no accident. And then the guy says, Over here. He's on the screen in a townhouse. And so I go over to him. I go in the kitchen. There's a lady running around the table screaming. There's a guy to my right on a doorknob and he goes, Come here. So I go over to him and now I'm still in my frame of mind. I took the CPR course, the first aid, all that stuff, right? First uh-huh. responder mode. Here I am, number one first responder. And he opens the door, grabs my shoulder, shoves me, and shuts the door. And I'm looking for blood on the floor. And as I look up, there's a man in the bathroom, and he's looking right at me. He's got blue-purple lips, and he's gone. All right, so I start to do see, um, check for vitals. I'm checking for vitals. I'm looking at him, touching him, trying to find some pulse. I go to go do CPR, and I hear "Let me go." So I stop for a moment, and it didn't clue in that, <laughs> that he's talking. No, I'm a first responder. I'm going to save this guy. I, you know, I'm Mighty Mouse. So, uh-huh. I, and I do it again, and I hear "Let me go," and I stopped, and I, oh, I get it now. And as I back up out that door. Remember, there was only three people. Now there's like the whole neighborhood.
0: I was like, "Who
1: was this guy that just put you in there?" That's like, yeah, I know. Right? (laughs) I'm looking, and all these eyes are peering at me. And my father finally made it around the block and comes to the screen. And the first words he said was, "Well, is everything okay?" And I just naturally went like this, and everybody screamed. Right? So, yeah, uh, coroner said to me, "Son." no matter how hard you would have tried, he had a torn coronary. Uh, his heart my wall was gone, and you uh, you wouldn't have been able to save him. And so, oh wow! And I was busted up about that. Um, then it turned out to be it was my best my my sister's best friend's father. Okay. So then I knew I knew Sandy. That was her dad, and I was like, oh, I'm busted up more. So I decided, you know what? I want to be a cop. I call up. Um, oh, wait, wait, wait! Who said let me go? The, the the man who was dead in the bathroom.
0: Okay. I just wanted to clarify that. I just yeah. wanted to
1: clarify that and be like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we can, <laughs> we can giggle about this stuff now because you know this
0: it's years later. I take it. You, um, never, you didn't say that to anybody outside. Right. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. no, uh, no. <laughs> no. So, um, I
1: call up the precinct and I said, um, I'm no longer one to be." um, a peace officer and they said you can't because we spent so much money on you time and you know you just can't do it and they wanted to talk and talk and we had meetings and then all of a sudden they said okay the only way you're going to be able to to leave and and not be with this precinct is you're going to do a movie and the movie contains other firefighters emts and police officers who quit under duress and I said, well, I'm not stressed. They said, no, you're, you're full of dress and you're going to go on film. I said, okay. So they, the, I remember the, the captain and the sergeant coming over and a film crew. And we're going through, you know, a mirage of different questions. And then they hit that question, why I want to quit. And I said, well, I found him dead and he was talking to me. <laughs> and oh, joking. boy. It's yeah. like. Yeah. So it's was like, don't worry, we're letting you go. That's okay. It's okay. Yeah, you can go. Um, yeah, it was funny. So um, shortly after that, 1990, um, I'm, <laughs> I'm in the parking lot with a friend of mine who is the curator of an apartment complex. So I'm looking over his shoulder. And, as, and Greg has got his eyes on me, wondering why I'm not paying attention to him. And I see this guy walking 50 yards away across to go into the main entrance, and he had a black shroud around him. And whenever I see black around somebody that's okay. that vivid, there's evil, there's something wrong, Not it's not, not good, they're not good. Okay. So Greg, goes, Greg looks over his shoulder and goes, oh, that's Jesse. Uh, you want to go and meet him? And so by then, Jesse's already up into his apartment. We go into the, the main entrance. Greg gets me into his apartment. Now, my line of questioning is so mono-focused as, you know, here I am again, Peacock, police officer. And I'm saying to him, you know, like, uh, where do you work? You know what I mean? Um, what are you doing? What's, what's, yeah, just the line of questioning was really badgering him. And he says to me, he got to the point where he gets up, and he's a sawed-off miniature Eddie Van Halen to a T, five okay. foot nothing, okay, to a T, long hair, and he stands up. He goes, Um, do you want to know how we killed him?" And then I'm just, I know how we got to that one point to that, uh-huh. and, and him coming right out. And then Greg's perking up. His girlfriend comes out of the alcove dining area she's pregnant and she's she's vividly really upset and this guy turns around and knocks her one and she's pregnant right something oh gosh right so now i'm sitting there and he goes stand the f up so i stood up and he goes are you effing hot and i'm not thinking right and he pulls up my shirt and he's checking my waistband and looking he was looking for a wire okay Pushes me down in the chair and he goes, This is how we did it. We we're ripping off a car stereo across the way from the little cubicle gas station where Mark Campbell, um, the story's in the book. Mark Campbell, um, I think he's like 14 years of age, uh, came from Quebec. His family did. He's making a little extra money to go to school, right? Uh, high school. And they couldn't get the car stereo, so they walked across the way to rob the cubicle. And Mark, he said, we pulled the gun out and we sh- and the way he said it, he had a smirk on his face and he goes, and we popped him like a rabbit and he was jumping all over and uh, yeah, uncanny too, because this turns out to be my cousin's best friend, one of my cousin's best friends. Right. And so I'm thinking, oh my gosh, you know, he's confessing the whole freaking murder where they ran, what they did. And then Greg now is at the, at the door. And he's going out the hallway and he's going, come on, Rob, come on, Rob. So then he goes, get the F out. So I go go to leave. He grabs me, pulls me down. He goes, by telling tell anybody, he's going to kill me. And he goes, he's got an alibi anyways. And he pushed me out the door. So we're now down in Greg's apartment, right? And his wife is livid. Why you do that? Why'd you go there? Why? And and so I go, I got to go So I, to the police station, talk to the detectives. They're wanting me to go back and befriend him, okay. Jesse, R-K-A Jesse, and get him to say the same spiel again. Right. And I said, you don't get it. He told me to kill me. He already made me check me for a wire and, and, and everything. And they just kept on me and on me. So I gave him what I could. And sure enough, they were in court that following week. This whole trial was going on while I was there. And so, um, yeah, he got off on the technicality uh, of oh. an alibi. Both of them did. Then Thomas Cook decided he wanted to murder her again. And he saran wrapped his girlfriend, held her arms, and watched her that she couldn't breathe until she died. And then he gave himself up. And he's been in jail now, I think, 20 some years. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, but let me ask you did the police already suspect him?
1: Those two people? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. they did. They even asked me how. See, here's the thing, too, for everybody out there who's watching this, please. okay. I giggle about this now because Mm -hmm. I was foolish. That was my first case. All right. Now, professionally, I do everything with law enforcement. Nothing other than law enforcement. Family contact me. I tell them to contact the law enforcement. They contact me. A lot of them know who I am. So, yeah, that's how I do it. But back then, you know, being naive and just doing what I did. I could have got killed, so sure. don't think you're invincible. Don't think that you're, you know, the psychic person out there, because you're gonna get hurt. You know what I mean? Yeah, just don't do that.
0: What do you think that that you saw that black shroud around him? What do you think that he had an attachment, or this was just whatever? What, it was just he had a dark soul. What do you think that was from?
1: Exactly what you said last there, the latter part, um, okay. dark soul. Um, right. These people have no no meaning for life um they don't and a good example again i'm in kentucky now and a double homicide with uh detective andy delay and andy pulled me on his radio show he has a a racing car radio show and i i thought i know nothing about cars or racing you know what i mean in that aspect i don't know why andy wants me on a show but okay i'm on a show andy so Andy's going through the cars and he's talking mostly and I'm agreeing. I'm thinking, why am I here? Then he goes, Rob, really quick, you know, this murder happened, blah, 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 blah. blah. Can you give me any details on it? And he sent me photos right away via text or on the computer. I'm going, holy crap, you, you you stung me. You got me, you know, on live radio. So I mentioned about four or five things that nailed it. The family were listening and law enforcement and they said we're flying you to Kentucky they flew me down I get down there now Andy's on the case with me and again the dark shadow soulless individual there was three people that we were looking at in this case Mm -hmm. there was the weakest link the 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 individual who orchestrated everything right wanted it all all he wanted to do and he kept calling me Mr. FBI guy and he wanted me to come up. He wanted me to meet with him so he could shoot me, um, verbally talking to me like this on the phone. And so I said to Andy. Andy goes, "We're in the, the boardroom." And he goes, "What can you do?" And I said, "Give me some Bristol board. Give me markers." And I said, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna profile the weakest link, which was Bobby." I said, "Before the murder, during the murder, and after the murder, everything Bobby did." And he goes, "Good." So I did. So I took my time and did everything blade it all out like a puzzle right down and he goes makes a deal with bobby that bobby will come meet us at the end of his driveway and okay. we thought oh this is great so we got the weakest link agreeing to everything right so we get bobby meet him at the end of the driveway just me and andy bobby said nobody else but you two only if in fact it wasn't important to be andy, yeah it was you, right oh yeah so we we him and hogged, did all this stuff we get down there andy has got the bristol board in the suv I'm sitting there with the mic like this underneath um Bobby's chin and bad cop, good cop. And he says, You don't say a thing. You just you just stand there. I said, okay. And he's asking all the questions, being hardcore. And I'm sitting there like this, and I'm watching this kid, right? And he's not giving anything. So Andy goes, you know, F this and everything goes, Rob, ask him questions. And I thought, oh, here I'm again We're on the spot. Yeah. Right. Okay. So I said, I just the heart of me went right into that kid and I said, I know you didn't do it. And then when I started talking like that, Andy goes, just a minute, goes, opens the back door of the SUV, throws the, the Bristol board on the back of the SUV, and he goes, Read that. That's what he thinks about you. And the kid stood there and his jaw just fell. And he was just like this, right? Looking uh-huh. at everything. So I got the thing under his chin and he's not right. speaking. And I said, Again, I know you didn't do it, but you were there and you didn't help. But you were involved in a double homicide, makes you an accessory to murder, and the kid is like, you know, and he's going, to, he goes, okay, 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 I'll tell you everything. I just don't want to go to jail for the rest of my life. So it was.
0: That's what I was thinking. You guys were going to try to trade like some type of immunity for him to turn and give yep. the full details.
1: Absolutely. So he started talking like a jailbird. The whole thing, everything that was on the Bristol board was exactly what the kid spewed out of his mouth. What was happening? The main character um that wanted to to shoot us he gave a deathbed confession because now the gig is up and he went to a doctor to uh i don't know for medication whatever he had to get but he confessed and not only confessed to a a physician he confessed to a a little girl that um the police wanted to discriminate saying because there was a big cover-up in this case too we were going after the sheriff and everybody else as well because yeah it's really detailed it's actually it's a huge case. So let me before. ask you something.
0: How fa- how fresh was this murder? Was it, had it been a few months and they were desperate or what happened?
1: Oh, this was, uh my gosh, uh, in the news. I'm trying to remember the news clips when they said, you know, he's down here um, doing this case. It was on NBC and everything. Um, I think, like you say, a few months, maybe.
0: Right. The reason why I'm asking is that you always see, you know, they go and get a psychic like when they've, when they've run out of options, you know, yes. when it's like, this is not going anywhere. Right. Right. So that and, I was uh, wondering if that's what happened with you, you know, that it was like, yeah, as well,
1: yeah. And, and it was, it was, it was pretty, I like the way they formulated it. I like the way okay. they pulled it off and did it. Um, it was so revered in the way they did it because the fact that they needed proof genuine. And if I yes. came up with those points, you know, no one knew. And I was only given photographs live on radio. I was on the spot. Right. So I did it for Andy. Um, I've worked several cases with Andy now ever since. Um, In fact, I signed my new TV series um, with producers way before COVID. It was um, Dog the Bounty Hunter producers and Dog and Beth producers who didn't know each other, that they were both after me. And I signed a contract a week before COVID hit. COVID okay. hit and it nullified because we were two years, two years. We were all sitting on our couches, right? Sure. So then they revisited this a month and a half ago, maybe two months okay. ago. And I just signed on the dotted line. And my cast members are like Andy, um, Martha Decker from Texas, chief of police, yeah. tough as nails. Um, Cliff Chris from Col- uh, Colorado.
0: So um, what, are you, what, what is the series going to be about? Are they going to revisit some of the, your cases or w- what are you guys doing on there?
1: no we're going after people we're going after the murderers yeah Uh, okay so these are
0: open cases
1: yes oh okay Yeah, yeah um we have the first and second season already slotted what we want uh-huh. to do. So now everything's being proposed and talked to with the networks through the production companies. So we're hoping that, you know, this will happen. And that's as much as I could speak to that. Cause and NBA, sure. right. You signed. An right. right. Yeah. Let me ask
0: you, are we talking cold cases or are we talking? Um. No, something? these are, these are active cases, active cases. Okay. Active cases.
1: And okay. don't get me wrong. Uh, I know there's families out there who are going to tune into this. Yeah, I I I help everybody. So it don't matter sure. you know, cold case or whatever, you know what I mean? Um but here's a poor thing, the, the the darn thing, sorry, is the poor people don't realize that you know, when, when we do cases and we mm-hmm. get on to some of them, we stick to those ones until they're done and then we go to the next ones and the next ones. It's not like, okay, we're doing you next week. It could be a year down the line. Right. Just, right, right. So timeline, timing thing, right? right. But um yeah and then getting back to that one case real quick with andy sure the kid gave a death bet and then he killed himself right so oh. yeah um he, he knew it was up so he committed suicide and and then you know we had bobby and the corruption and what have you but the whole details of all that i'm going to keep plugging this because this is what got me the tv series i had okay. two major production companies is this book okay right? They like profile the real deal, true crime cases. There's over a dozen cases in here from 1990 right up until 2018, I believe, mm-hmm. internationally. So that means right. Canada, America, everywhere. Um, they're all solved. And inside there, you get the testimonials from the law enforcement. Um, you get not seen ever before documentation. It wasn't privy to the public. Mm-hmm. That's in there text messages that are in there everything that starts a case to the end of the case is in each one there and right. not only that, i got the families they write letters uh photographs the media the headlines are all in there um yeah. yeah i had to bring it out i had to bring it out because people say just do police really use psychics and do they you know not yeah they do. you know they're, they're and all they in like
0: to publicize it sometimes but yeah yeah because it's like, yeah, you, you know, and, and, and I'm glad you brought that up, Robbie, because, you know, I, I'm sure you're aware that lately a lot of DNA has solved some cold cases, you know, right. because, and, you know, sometimes the perpetrators are dead or they're in jail. And that's how, you know, their sample has basically been entered into the database. Right. Sometimes people don't realize that not all crime scenes leave DNA or viable DNA, in other words. Right. Right. Uh, you know, even fresh murders, sometimes because of maybe where the body ended up or the something, there is no good DNA that could be used. Uh sometimes another use it to identify even unidentified victims. Same thing. If this perpetrator just happens to be one of these people that has never been arrested, doesn't mean anything because they're not in any database. So you know,
1: I was reading about the DNA factor of of touch DNA. Um, Mm -hmm. Then there's the DNA of the fact that you or I get into a situation where we get so angry. Our DNA changes. Right. Scientifically
0: Mm -hmm.
1: there. Then I started reading about the doppelgangers, people who look like other people who have certain qualities and DNA the same. So, during a crime, your passion or whatever, and this person's angry and their DNA changes, comes this guy, and this guy gets put in jail. How many innocent people are in jail because of that figurative way of thinking? Or... Aspect of it's happening truly. There's a huge topic to
0: talk about. Oh, you know what? I could go down this rabbit hole because I've heard of you know how everybody's saying, well, you know, with DNA evidence now, you know, you've got a more solid conviction. In reference to what you were saying about you know innocent people being sent, you know, convicted,
1: right?
0: You know, but and people are saying, well, if there's DNA evidence, then definitely this is the guilty party. And I'm not saying I'm I'm pretty sure a good majority of them, especially if they're already in prison for other bad crimes. I'm sure that they're guilty. Sure. But you always hear, what if in the future they're able to clone DNA, like enough DNA to plant some? You know, you really want to, like, let's go down that out of scene. And all of a sudden, in other words, where I'm going is that I was uh, hearing that that theory about the inviol- uh, that that DNA evidence eventually will not be as, hey, rock solid as we think it will if in the future it's proved that your DNA can be duplicated somehow.
1: Right, right. I read and, that as well.
0: Yeah, and it's like, okay, in other words, it's almost the same as, you know, I'm going to frame somebody, you know, by leaving certain evidence. Well, in the future, which is not that far off, believe me, at the at the rate that uh, science is going, where somebody could, uh, you know, leave some type of, duplicate some type of DNA evidence and place that at a scene and, you know, let's let's go down that. I, I mean, it's I think it's an important tool but some, you know how that CSI effect that people think that somebody's going to show up a lab and they're going to get all the information and voila, you've got a a victim that's going to be identified in the murderer.
1: Right? Sometimes
0: it doesn't work that way. And I'm sure you've seen it in, you, in your work that sometimes despite best efforts and even evidence, the answers are not that easy to come no, by. No, they're not. Um, you got
1: to be 100% proof. Positive, um, I mean, we're in cases where, oh my gosh, the smoking gun and, and everything right. else, and you know, the storyline—I call it storyline—is it's, it's the, the criminal aspect of what mm-hmm. they did. I mean, it, it's all there, but wait a minute, it wasn't them.
0: I mean, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can think, really oh, that person has about. motive. Yeah, but, yeah. That doesn't mean they did it. I mean, yeah, motive right. is good. Don't get me wrong. But then you think about, what about all these stranger-on-stranger murders? Because, right. you know, you always look at somebody around that victim, like you said, that has a, a motive. Right. But sometimes there's murders that are committed by strangers that there's there's no motivation of love, revenge, hate, you know, the normal stuff people kill each other over. Right. They might be a psychopath looking for an opportunity to claim a victim. And there you go. And, and it's there like, you <laughs> yes. Exactly. That brings,
1: yeah. That brings me to a case where, um, years ago, a lady was stabbed out of heat of passion. And we know when, when murderers do that to, to their victims out of passion, it's just not one or two. It's like 50 or because of the passion, right? Um, I had the gentleman call me up and he says to me, they're trying to pin it on me. My wife was murdered, but I was in England at the time. Okay. And I said, yeah. So I, and it's funny because I told Peter, that's the gentleman's name that I just got asked to come on this case. I can't talk to you. And he goes, I need your help though. And I said, I can't talk to you about this. I can't further along with this. And I already gave a name to these guys, the, the law enforcement. And so lo and behold, that name is one of the, the, the guys who was suspect, and not only did they question him once but three times. And, um, you know, then I come to learn over the years different information that's tied into this case mm-hmm. where he was the lover of her, and she was trying to tell him, No, we're done because she wanted to reconcile with Peter, yes, and so you know, now you see the passion come in here and they both work at the same job.
0: Okay. And so, yeah. Um, crazy. You know what I mean? Let me ask you something. When you do the profiling, do you profile physically or do you profile by uh, the, the personality? What, what, or both? What the information that you, do you give the police?
1: Yeah, I get them everything like our senses, uh, smell, uh, touch, taste, uh, everything. Um, okay. Words that are spoken, I like it when they, when I, when I tell them something and they go and tell the suspect and they go, how did you freaking know? There's a great example on my website. There okay. is, um, they were looking for a lost individual, many cases on my website, right? But they're right, right on the front page. You scroll down, they're looking for a lost individual. And I said exactly what he was doing to the family. And sure enough, he wasn't murdered. Like everybody thought he was. Okay. And his words were something like, how the hell did he know I was exactly doing that? You know, and they're saying that it's like it blows their mind. Right. So you try to give law enforcement the most tangible that they can make something click. And then they know they're on the track or the trail of getting that individual. Right.
0: How about victims? Do they ever come to you and say, is this person dead or not? You know, somebody that they can't find.
1: Right. Right. yeah, there's um, cases in the book that have I've had people come. And, you know, there's a there's a, a clip on my website. Again, I refer to that because there's a lot of stuff I put out there for people to see.
0: Mm-hmm. It's
1: um, 99.9 the Fox FM radio show. It was the program director. Okay. I had two days before this little girl went missing into the tree line, the pile of rocks and rubble that were there, the Mennonite wheels, the bugs, the buggies that they drove, their clothing, um, the area. And I showed him two days before. And so he pulled me back on the show after this happened. And he, you hear his words. He goes, um, you showed me this, the drawings and stuff before it happened before they even started to investigate this part of the case. And he goes, Mm -hmm. I can't believe it, that it all came true and what have you. Um, That was my way of making sure that it was out there because it was a big high-profile case.
0: And so we go down
1: there and I sat with the detectives. And I was there when the father did the lie detector test. And I I got planted into the mother's house. Um, I went under, a.k.a. John, a friend of the family to get away and you know that that type of stuff when they say can you do this and i don't mind doing it but you know i I sweat a little bit too you know um yeah but i mean i was there and really peculiar situations and and what have you um but the two that did it that i mentioned did get arrested um Mm -hmm. which is great and unfortunately and there's, there's good sides to it. There's always a bad side, but you still don't have the, right. the little girl, right? Which is sad.
0: All well, right, because uh, even though I know they've convicted, but before you know it's n- no crime. Right. I mean, nobody, no crime. You know, if you don't have a right. body, uh, sometimes I know it's different when it's a child, but usually when it's an older, like an adult or a teenager, right? It was like, hey, you haven't found a body. This person could have just decided, especially if they're an adult, which people don't realize there's nothing unlawful about you just. Hey, I don't want to be with my present life and I'm going to go away somewhere. Yeah. You know, find evidence of foul play. Sometimes the police are like, well, yeah. Maybe yeah. this person just decided they would want to be somewhere else, being somebody else.
1: And yeah, I mean, while <laughs> you're talking, my head's spinning with different cases. Um, I get a call from, uh, i trying to remember the police station in Florida, the founder in Tampa Bay. Missing endangered elderly, okay. right? All right. And missing. Nine thirty. I get the call, and they sent me a photo, mm-hmm. and so I'm looking at the photo. I got the case file. I'm going through what they have, and I'm telling them exactly where I see that she would be. And so as I'm talking to the detective, he's talking to guys. Go here. Go here. He's telling me here. And they were sending them to the river sending them to where the rocks were with water. And I said, no, there's a, there's a bay and there's a bridge. And okay. I said, "We took a bus and sure enough, they it clicked to him because every clue I gave him, they raced and they got her in Tampa Bay, Florida.
0: And okay. they found yeah. her
1: right there. Okay. Um, she took the bus. Mm-hmm. Everybody thought she was dead and, and, you know, missing and endangered. 1230 that afternoon the sheriff pulled a conference and so we found her yada 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 and like in that short span we got her and brought her home
0: and that's the thing that and what do you let me ask you something what do you see is it like a movie that plays out on your head is it something you see is it a feeling how how do you I guess generate that idea or that knowing
1: yeah it's it's exactly what you said um everything a uh, movie played out in your head. Um, four-year-old little boy goes missing in Kentucky. It was Canada Day. I think it was the day before Canada Day. Okay. Um, a photograph again. That's all I got. Four-year-old beautiful little angel on my on my, on my my screen. And I'm talking to my guides and spirits. and okay. And I'm getting everything. Like um, Papa John Stadium. Uh, the front porch of the murderer's home. If you look, you stood on it where I described it. And I described the stadium, John Papa John stadium, Looked through the clearing across the street. Papa John stadium was right there. Um, okay. the flags, the construction in front of his home, repeat offender right. two other boys. Then I said, okay. give me his name. And he did. She, uh, the little boy did give me his name. Cause it turned to a point where I was talking to guides and then there was a break. And okay. during that break, the little boy was being murdered. Right. And so it was agree. a long enough break that the boy got, Murdered. He held him down in his bathtub and drowned a little boy in his bathtub. Okay. So now I'm talking to a little boy, and the okay. little boy gives me his name, Cecil. So I'm drawing Great. everything I can, right? And I and I put the name Cecil at the top of the page with an arrow mm-hmm. down to the four-year-old, vivid mindset to me what the man looked like. Okay. Um, I got all of that. I faxed it to NBC CBS in Kentucky. And the detectives and the liaison, everybody needed it because they're looking for this little boy. Um, okay. Sure enough, um, the news breaks and they said the Kentucky police got their break. They've got, they they arrested, um, they know who it is, Cecil New. And he got arrested uh, December 7th, 2007. And he'll never see the light of day ever again. And unfortunately, the other side of it is poor little Caesar is not with us anymore. But that's how it played out. It was, it was being right. shown everything, and like I was walking to that guy's house, seeing mm-hmm. everything vividly, and I'm writing as fast as I could.
0: So, where he did abduct him from? From the uh, from the stadium?
1: No, he was actually playing out front of his house with the you know how the, the gas oh, line. Don't tell me table. this
0: was a neighbor.
1: Yeah, close. Yeah, close by. He actually not right. right <laughs> too far. He pulled the little flags that the gas line and the water line people put in the ground, so you don't mm-hmm. cut
0: them.
1: He was playing with those, and sure enough, he uh, said, "Hey, right. you know, come here,
0: yeah." Exactly, exactly, and that's why I was saying sometimes these uh, crimes are committed by the opportunity presents itself for somebody yeah. like that, and uh, fortunately, yes, yes. That is, yeah, you find that 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 happens, and I, I imagine that sometimes it's got to be the toughest cases to solve because if previous to that there's no connection, right? You know, how do you like connect? You know, why why? Well, in some cases, let me ask you, what had he? You said that he had he had already what murdered other boys before that?
1: No, he was a repeat on the paper. And what's good about this too? I'm gonna say. On my website, you can read the, all my drawings are there. Okay. On, he's a repeat offender of two young boys. Sexually abused those boys.
0: I was about to say, he was a sexual predator then.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, right. how could they, yeah, I don't
0: Well, no, the they, thing is, and this is what people don't, you know, and, and believe me, I, I, I have a problem with, um, you know, the innocent being accused. But, you know, a lot of these uh, uh, predators, you know, they start out by... What you just said not no not not killing their victim you know peeping toms or following you know right. then the molestation and but they let them go and then they get to the point where they act finally act out on this fantasy because really that's their ultimate fantasy right is the that and the fear of a witness you know i'm leaving a witness behind that can point you know me out especially if I happen to live in the neighborhood of all things. Yeah, right. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, and, you know, nowadays, you know, unless it's a very, very young victim, uh, yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll do that. And who knows if you wouldn't maybe, you wouldn't have given that feedback. He could have disposed of that body and nobody would have, you know, like there's a million kids that disappear. Right. And nobody, they don't, are never found. So yeah. there's no way to, where do we go with this? Exactly. As far as, you know, um, yeah. any type of clue, like who it could be? I know sometimes, and, and let me ask you: um, Have you ever been brought in on a case where they've only found maybe like skeletal remains? In other words,
1: yeah, there's. Oh my gosh! Um, for the show, we have a case yes. of that type. Um, I'm just trying to think how much I can tell you. Okay skull found in one pasture hmm bones found in another okay um very high profile all right um yeah none of the cases are not high profile you know what nothing to about the high profile thing I think every case is high profile
0: is that sometimes I know I know that bodies decompose like really quick right you know, and especially, let's say I live in Florida, especially, you know, here in the summer between the the weather and the insects, forget it. But, you know, sometimes, um, you know how they say that if left X amount of time, you know, animals, basically they spread the bones out and, you know, a lot of clues, even including DNA is dispersed or contaminated or, so basically all you've got is bones. And sometimes they they can't even, unless there's uh, some type of nick on the bone or to the skull, sometimes you can't even say, how was this person killed? Right. Have you ever had any, something like that where they're like, hey, help us out because we've got just about zero because all we got is a set of skeletal remains.
1: Yeah. um, Tommy Ventosi is a good friend of mine. Okay. He worked with the Doe Network for
0: Yes, i very familiar Omega,
1: with. Yeah, for long, long, long time, they found the remains of. Now, here, this is really this this because we know who the girl was. It okay. was his brother-in-law's daughter, um, Mount Rainier. She was she was murdered.
0: Okay.
1: Bobby, said, uh, Tommy says, "Do me a favor," and I said, "Sure, I will." And I made a promise to the dad because he was dying of cancer. And I said we're going to get this solved. I promise you, we will. And he, you know, he breaks your heart, right? It he really does. Mm-hmm. So, um, he ended up passing. Okay. But the detective in Boston and in, in Mount Rainer, um, M- more set says to me, you send me stuff. And if anything here, and then, and I know what they do. It's like, whenever I go to go, if they drive me around, is this it? They want to see if you're genuine. Right. And what All happened? Right. I'm going to get into a couple of cases here that, that flow your mind. Um, so he said, send me. So I did, I did my thing, my drawing, um, who the, who the individual was bald, um, dark skinned fella who was involved in doing this, send it to him. And he said to me, if anything i'll call you back if not it goes under the g garbage and he said okay not in less than three five minutes go by you know the phone rings and it's him and he's on the other line and, and i remember him i didn't even get a chance to say hello he goes did tommy tell you anything how did you know he's going on and on and on and on and on and i said you know tommy is a very respectable individual tommy would not tell me anything he wants me to tell you so he goes I can't believe it goes because, because this is the guy we've been looking for, and I got a guy like this in jail right now that fits this description, on another crime. So okay, um, a couple of years went by, and sure enough, about maybe six months ago, maybe nine months ago, roughly in that area, okay. Tommy texted me. He goes, "You did it! It was the guy in jail. They nailed him and I made news. And it was it was the guy." Um,
0: and how long ago yeah. had he committed that murder?
1: Oh, Tommy talked to me, oh, my gosh, maybe five years ago,
0: maybe what? a little bit
1: more. And the, the, the sad part was I told the father, you know, okay. and I wanted him to see the ending of this. But I know he did. Mm-hmm. I, I, I know I know. He, he's seen it, right? Okay. But in spirit, I know he, see, he, he knows what was done. And I think he even helped push it along that way. But... I wanted him to be alive here to see this done, but he passed on and then and then we got the, the clarification.
0: And was it somebody that she knew or was this just one of these random things type random things? God, that is so sad. That is yeah, so sad. It is. Um yeah. I don't because know you don't, you know, again, it's the I wanna say these People, they the, I mean, how can I say? Obviously, besides ending that person's life, the ripple effect that it has on the family, yeah, goes beyond just you know, the one death. It's, 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 uh, it's the effect is, well, I don't know, today, you know, that back in what was it, 2018, you know, we had a big uh shooting here in uh, in Florida in a place called Parkland where a former student came in and shot. To seen that today on the TV. Eighteen, was it eighteen or nine? I can't remember. It was seventeen. 17. It was seventeen.
1: Yeah.
0: And he got convicted, you know, life in prison. All right. Which right. is and, and um it's very sad. And I know that, you know, they were considering the death penalty. And obviously this kid had a bunch of problems. It was very, very obvious. It was a tragedy, obviously, for those children he killed. Mm-hmm. And for himself, because this boy had he was giving all the warning signs for for a couple of years as a teenager. Beyond, you know, children, you know, teenagers can be troublesome, but you know, he was giving out all these strong signals, right? That he was very, very troubled. Um, which is, I hate to say it, uh, and I don't know. I'm going to ask you this: When you come across an individual who is mentally disturbed, does it is it difficult sometimes to read people like that?
1: Not really, because um, people who are not just mentally disturbed, but Mm we'll say mentally challenged, um, have a figurative disability in, say, um, Asperger's or um, something like that. No, because they're very intelligent. And if you can weigh past that, I want to say the wrong words because there's beautiful parents out there are listening. Right. I'm just going to say this. If I can get past that screen of that disability and see that person for who they are is very genuine and very unique. Everybody's unique. And it's almost like we've talked about DNA, every, everybody's unique. So I can get in and see that and see how that person is. Um, Yeah. Um,
0: and the reason why i'm saying is this kid obviously you know even though i know they how can i say it? he knew i think i'm almost positive he knew the the difference between right and wrong in other words you can be mentally ill and still be able to differentiate between one way and the other and i don't know exactly what he might have been diagnosed with or if he had a behavior disorder but i'm saying he gave all the signs like this was it was like you know you see the train coming down the tracks and sometimes you know because then, you know, you always compare it to that psychopath, you know, like a Jeffrey Dahmer, one of these people that's very cold and calculating. And, uh, yeah, he maybe he might – you might say, okay, he could be diagnosed with a certain type of behavior, just, you know, mental illness in the DSM. But it's a different way of figuring things out. And uh, and then there's people that you you could genuinely say that you are schizophrenic and they're just crazy as – and they do horrible things. They do horrible
1: Yeah, Yeah. they live a life that's, well, let's face it, they're tormented. Yes, yes. And I'm trying to be choosy of words because I know, again, (laughs) folks watching, right? Um, Yes. You know, you get poked and prodded enough. Yes. um, Everything plays on an individual like that. So then their only reprieve, or only way Mm -hmm. to find solace is to be, be that person. And sure. if they lash out and do something like that, yeah, they don't know the dip. Sometimes they don't know that. Well, that sometimes
0: that I think it's that they, you know, I, I don't know. And, and, you know, unless you're inside somebody's head, you really don't understand, you know, what they say, you know, your perception is your reality. Right. What perception is or what drives them. Or when, you know, you, you hear some of them that will say, I hear voices. Yes. Which is another question. Have you ever come across a case where, the perpetrator whether claim that and you could say this person had some type of attachment or was being influenced by a dark whatever into committing the crime
1: and the voices told him in his head to do that
0: you know and i know there's a legitimate i'm not, I'm not saying that hey all these people yeah. that I'm, uh, diagnosed with are you know no that that's a product of their diseased brain oh sure it is sure it is and you might have others i'm saying that what if you know, what's happening mimics a mental illness, but in reality, what they've got is some type of dark influence that's directing them. Yeah. What's that?
1: Well, the one case in Kentucky there where the individual was, yeah, the one, shoot us, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
1: he grew a mustache like Hitler. Exactly. Really? Yeah, he did. Like a little. Mustache. Yeah, yeah, that little thing. Yeah. His hair was combed like that, too. Um, that's so weird. Yeah, so I remember. You know, during the case and the talk with the detective things, the things that were brought up was the voices in his head, right? Um, that's where he went to the physician and gave a deathbed confession. And then later on, right. took a bunch of pills and killed himself. Right. Um, yeah. So there's a great example right there. And not only did he do the double homicide on on these two gentlemen. Right. We were talking about other homicides that were done in that area that he was kind of tied to.
0: Right. Yeah. And people don't realize that once you're dead, you can't be convicted of a murder. People could say, we believe this person, but if you've never been brought to trial because you're dead, guess what? They can never say he was the killer. They could say, we believe he was, but once you're on the other side, if you didn't go, at least in the United States, if you didn't go through the trial process, they can't, how can I say they can't convict you posthumously of the murder? No. No. And of course, you know, that, let me tell you something. Um, It's, it's so interesting because how about, have you ever been visited at home by a victim (laughs) that wanted help?
1: Yeah. um, Little girl, um, Victoria Stafford, the one we talked about going in the bush line. Right. um, That one was huge. Um, Even at the end, after we went to the balloon release with the family and the two got arrested, Mm -hmm. we came home. My children were on the floor. I bring my family to other families to meet because I, I feel okay. like to make people like wholesome to trust me, right?
0: Right. Okay. So I
1: bring okay. my family and literally got adopted by by them. Um, so we're home now. My children are on the floor. My wife's on the couch. I'm sitting there, and then out of nowhere, she came and she hugged me. So I'm hugging her like this, and my family looking at me like, "What's dad doing?" You know, and so then she handed me, <laughs> she handed, handed me a flower, and, okay. the and the butterflies were all around her. So okay. then I described that to the family the next day, and they said the purple is her favorite color, and that was her favorite flower. And and okay. it was just, I said she came to thank me because now it's done. You know, right. I mean, she was the driving force. Yeah. Yes,
0: and I imagine for a child to. Even if she's gone on to see her family or her parents distressed, right? Because believe it or not, children are protective of their parents as well. It does. It's not always the parent being protective of the child. Right. The child. Even children are protective of their parents. Uh, as far as maybe she felt like, okay, I can go on now. My parents, considering everything, yeah, be okay. Yeah. But yeah, I, I I have found that that uh that that's wow. And let me ask you, what happened with her? They, what, they abducted her? Uh... The
1: Grady video, when we were in the police station looking at it, we seen a woman leading her away from the school. So oh. they were looking for one person.
0: Ah, okay.
1: And I talked to the, t- I said, no, we're looking for two people. Okay. An, older, an older fella than her because she wanted to prove her love to him by doing this. Okay. And sure enough, that came out in court and what have you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: She picked her out and went to, I think it was like the Home Depot.
0: Okay,
1: and got hammer and and stuff. Right, and so as he got into the picture, he raped her in the back seat of the car, and then he hit her. And then, you know, the family goes, tell us how, how she died. And I, and I, and sometimes when I tell family, and I learned over the years, you know, um, telling moms, it's hard to say straight up, but you can't bull crap a mom. You, you yeah. just can't do that. You got to tell it straight as it is right. Sugarcoating don't work here. So right. when you're asking me and I'm looking at them, it's hard for me to figuratively say it to you exactly. But I just went, like that. Right. And sure enough, he hit her with the hammer. Um, and that played out uh, in court and uh, they're both in jail. And, you, you know, it's a sad. Whenever it involves children, it's very, very sad. Sure. Another, you know, and going along the lines here, boy went missing in Wallaceburg, a little town outside of my city, uh, first nations boy. And so I get a call by, the aunt and her husband is law enforcement, but jurisdiction outside of that area. So he can't come in to do this. Could I please go down and take a look? You know, so I go, we're driving.
0: Okay. I bring
1: bring my wife on every case I go. So we're driving, get into the town. I decided I'm going to pull over into this driveway of this business, park the car, text her. I'm here now. Let's Mm -hmm. go to that house. So I pull the car up facing this way. And she goes, okay, here's the picture of the house I'll, and, I'll, and I'll be down there and we'll go there. I look at the picture and my wife looks and she goes, Robbie, look. And I looked up, the house was right in front of me.
0: Wow. So I
1: went through that town and pulled up right in front of the house. So I'm thinking, oh my gosh, spirit's working really good here, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I get out. I see a male lady and i said i need to see water in a dock and she says to me you go down near the street here you take a fast right and then a fast left and the dock is right there so we went down there and i'm going and Leisha's look Leisha is looking at me through the car and i i could see him in the water like vividly see him in the water and i turned her and i go he's 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 in the water so as soon as i did that i text texted um the aunt back and Oh, I'd say within about maybe half an hour or so, the OPP, Ontario Provincial Police, they okay. bring their divers down. They put a heat-seeking camera, and it's on Google or YouTube. They put a heat-seeking camera into the into the air. Okay, but this, boy, this boy's been dead for a while, so I don't okay. know why the heat-seeking camera it did no good. Um, right, divers went in, the water. And was I really imagine warm. the water there is really cold, also, right? Yeah, at the time. Uh, Christmas, okay. Christmas time. It was really cold, right? Mm-hmm. But they went in. It's murky, and okay. I felt that they just missed him because they they called it off.
0: Okay. Spring
1: rolled around. The gases in his body bloated, and he popped up a thousand feet from where I said he was, and okay. the slow drift in the water brought him there. Um, but prior to this, and me going down there, mom was on the phone.
0: Okay, and.
1: As I left Wallaceburg, every telephone pole for about a mile had a hawk on it. Every pole. And I'm, I said to my wife, I go, that's unusual because they maybe two, three, maybe four. But every pole for a mile, that's very yeah. unusual. And that was him leading me up being indigenous, right? That's, I can I feel the spirit. So I, I talked to another elder and I said, this is what occurred. She said, that was his spirit. So I, I, I believe. Okay. Um, his mom would get home and she says, straight out, you know, uh, my boy alive. And she goes, wow. don't BS me. Is my boy alive? And what kills me is I have to
0: tell her. That's I, gotta be so difficult, Robbie. It is
1: because that the other end, she's screaming and, and her heart is ripped out and, mm-hmm. and I just gave her the worst news of the world. Yeah. And so, yeah, I'll never forget that scream. I still hear her screaming at me on the phone. What happened to him? Um. Oh, boy. Christmas Eve, he was helping people move, right? From hey. one house to the next. They're having a party. This boy had his life. He was going to university. He had his head on his shoulders. He was a great kid. This other individual got out of jail a day before. Shows Very up at the party, cool. right? Mm-hmm. And he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Seven people gave seven different statements that didn't match. Um it, 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 the case was just like so boggled up and yeah. Um what so, they
0: they that, that person killed him? Yeah, killed them. Yeah, killed yeah. Them. yeah, and I hate to say it, but sometimes they they kind of see that one person was so different from them, the perpetrator, like you said, he had all his future in front of him. Whereas this person is like, you know, and they kind of like, they hate that person without really having knowing them, but they hate them. Yeah. Let me ask you, have you worked on any cases having to do with the, the highway of tears? I believe it's the Canadian transcontinental highway that I've heard that there's been a lot of unsolved murders there, especially of indigenous women dating back. I want to say to the sixties, um,
1: yes to everything um yes. as far as i can go and this is a relative emailed me mm-hmm. and a corporal from the rcmp got me involved okay unbeknownst to each other okay certain information from the ant cane mm-hmm. certain information he has inside okay right. um Then all of a sudden other relatives started and then they just disappeared it was weird seriously i'm three other relatives so it's three in total and him but he still wants to to go on to this um try to get a hold of those people okay dropped off the the end of the world
0: don't know what happened you know why i asked this because i i I read through the series of all the cases and it was like, is are we? Is this a serial killer? Is there several serial killers? Because, from what I understand, it's a big trucking lane, right? Right, yeah. And there's a theory that maybe it's a truck driver that that's why it's so difficult sometimes to solve it because this person is there and then psh, they're gone. Right. And some of them have unfortunately some of the the girls have been hitchhiking, you know. Uh, others have disappeared, but the, but uh, the crime scene has been close to the highway, right. Do you think it's more than one person that's a perpetrator? Um, yeah, I can answer that. Yeah. Okay.
1: And um, it's, it's unfortunate because we have the premise of what you just said. You know, mm-hmm. people speculated it's a, a truck driver. People speculated it was the sure. police. People speculated it was tribal members. People speculated that it's gang members. Um mm-hmm. there's so much speculation going on. But yeah, more than yeah, more than one person, absolutely. Right. Yeah.
0: You know, and, and and I guess because when you look at it, it's this is these these crimes have been going on for decades. Yeah. For decades. And I know you could say, well, it's one person, but it's like how long how far how long is it gonna be uh, trucking around, you know? And or is it, you know, is it a network also? Right.
1: Human trafficking.
0: Human trafficking, of course. Yes. Let me tell you something. Uh, A lot of people think that this human trafficking and smuggling is a recent thing that has been around for a hundred years or more. As far as in here in modern times, where what they would do is kidnap women or young girls and sell them into sexual slavery. You know, this is not something modern. This has been going around for a while. Long time. Um, uh, and in some cases, you know, then you have the occasional ones where they actually kill them. And, and I know in some cases, some of them, they, some of them, the bodies have been found and others, they've never recovered them, but they the The circumstances are weird. So they know this person just didn't decide to like up and leave. Right. You know? Yeah um i get a call
1: i get a call from a lady who followed me since the 90s okay before there was like facebook msn and all that right right i had had a robbie thomas forums that was okay from around the world and so it was in the mid 2000s she was you know and i know who she was was, i followed you and you know and, and i know Kim, yeah, I understand. What's up? She goes, well, I hate to do this. And she goes, my daughter's been taken into the sex slave trade. Okay. And the detective doesn't know what to do now because he's exhausted all his leads or whatever he had. And she gave me permission to talk to you. So, okay. So I gave what I had to do and I went ahead and did it. And her letter is on my page. It says, and he brought my daughter home in capital letters alive and uh got her out of the sex slave trade um okay. yeah so i'm i'm into i'm into that too um mm-hmm. my yes. partner on the show she's huge in the human trafficking yes. being down texas alley sure. um you know what i mean uh, the cartels and all that She's had major experience. So I'm hoping this show kicks off and finally takes off so that we can go out there and
0: help everybody. Well, you know what? And I'm going to want to plug my own book. I, I wrote a book about two, two, three years ago. It was about two crimes, but ba- dating back to the 1920s. Right. There was a murder. This happened in, um, was it Pennsylvania, Marlene? Uh, yeah, it was in Pennsylvania. Come to find out as they do what they thought was just the murder of a young girl. And they're thinking, she was pregnant. and there, Initially, they thought, oh, she got involved with a married guy, and he got spooked. Maybe he was somebody important. Killed her. They found her body. But as this investigation progresses, and we're talking here the 1920s, turns out because of a friend of hers, a friend of a friend kind of deal, because they're trying to figure out was it her boy? Because she had a little boyfriend, but he's like... And this whole thing that apparently there was a tie-in to what they call white slavery. That's what they would call it in in those years. Right. Operating out of Vermont. Okay. They were bringing in girls from Pennsylvania, from Canada, from all over to this one house that they had. I guess it was a remote, it was like a big farmhouse in Vermont where they would distribute these girls to all these roadside brothels all over the East Coast. All right. And my point being that even back then, we're talking 100 years, all right? right. This was happening, all right? This was happening. And uh, the same thing where they would get the girls hooked on drugs, you know, use drugs on them. Back then there was morphine, you know, get them addicted. And then, of course, what would happen is once these girls were just so thoroughly, they would just kill them. Right. All right. And and at some point, believe it or not, the, well, that crime never got solved. But, you know, now there was always that thought of, was she... Perhaps it wasn't a married lover or somebody. Maybe it was that for some reason she got pregnant and, you know, maybe she was part of this ring or they were something like that. And she was done away with because, you know, to them life was it didn't matter. But, yeah, like you were explaining, this is not this. This, this is not something recent. This has been around for many, many years. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, a shame. And, it, it, it's a shame. I mean, yes. um, I don't know how people can do that to people. I, know, yep. as much as I try to even think of things like that, there's just no way. And, um, you know, every day I hear about certain things and yep. different cases that they want me to get on and stuff. And mm-hmm. it's like, I'm not picking choosing. I just say right now, it's just not the right time. Um, okay. in Connecticut, a chief calls me up and says, um, you got re- referred to me by another law enforcement. And he goes, here's the photo, photos, and 1974 high profile army individual. She was murdered. And he goes, I'm at a standstill. Just give me something. So I looked at it all, and I went through, and I said, this it's staged. Um, it's a jilted lover for sure. And everything that I need to look at, I, I want to talk to the family. So I get the son on on there, and I go. You gotta be open with me. Your mom had a fair. He goes, yes, she did. And, and I said, okay, she's missing a chain. She's missing a chain because I see it gone. And it's not in her possession, but it's in the guy's possession. He goes, wait, I got her jewelry box. And he gets out, he's on the phone. I hear him rumbling through it. And he goes, I can't find the chain. I said, well, that's the missing link. So the chief gets back on the phone and he goes, you got to tell me, um, is there anything? I said, yeah, there's one building. I said, like, DNA doesn't go, blood don't go away. It's protein. It ain't going away no matter how long it is. I okay. said, you, know, you have to use luminol, and you go in there, and you'll be able to get it, right? He goes, oh, my gosh, the building is still constructed there. It's still." I said, yeah, and he goes, we were told that that's where they would go and meet. I said, well, that's where they met probably for the last time. And okay. so um, he goes, we don't have the money for resources to call out the forensics. He goes, okay. I'm going to take what I got here and go into a meeting goes into his meeting, I think it was a week or so, comes back, says, you know what, that opened the case up. Everything opened okay. so they could call in. So, I mean, reopening cases like that, that was right on for them, right? I mean, now they're going in a direction. Exactly. Um, that I like, because sure. otherwise they would have been stuck and and not being able to do it, right?
0: You know what, I have to laugh because you know I, I I do read up on true crime and other stuff, and lately there's been a bunch of women that have been murdered and when you look at the their life, they look like perfect, not, I don't want to say perfect, but they're married, they have kids, they live in a nice house, that to look at them and they're having affairs and they've been done in by their lovers when they're like, hey, you know what, either I want to break up or I'm not going to marry you or something along those lines, Right. you know, and all of a sudden, unfortunately for their poor family, besides her getting killed, you know, all this Ugliness is exposed where this perfectly looking, you know, soccer mom type is leading a double life. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the bad boy really turns out to be bad.
1: Yeah. Do um, <laughs> you remember the case um, NBC dubbed her um, mother by day, hooker by night? <laughs>
0: no, I remember something like that. But yeah, well, it was? I, obviously it's like... What was, she, yeah. what was she? Was she street walking? Or was she an escort, or what? Um,
1: Paige Bergfeld—that was her name. She's
0: very famous. <laughs> uh,
1: NBC did a big expose on it, and what have you. Uh-huh. In fact, the Zucker's wanted to fly me down to Colorado to show okay. them where her body was, and I, I ain't doing that for your your TV thing. You know, I'm not doing that. Right. So um, this is where I got in with uh, Sergeant Cliff Christ and uh, discussing the case with him that again that's another fool in in the book um we're going through the the motions of everything and i named the guy right lester okay. jones lester jones i said his name is lester like lester and he said they're looking at that guy and he said what does he do and i said he works like on rvs or something and he did he was a mechanic then okay. he got me on it. he goes they found a car burnt across the way from there okay. we're trying to tie him to it said, oh wow so i gave him an area where I felt that she would have been. Okay. And we're we're going to do this. I'm dressing up like a mechanic. I'm going to go apply for a job and talk to him and see if I get in there. I so, "Okay, great." They call me and they're in the car and, and and got me on the phone and I'm like on a on a speed chase with him in the car and I felt like I was there and he's telling me, you know, he's following us because he made me out and he's oh, following us. I- I was oh, my gosh. And he goes, and you hear the people talking. There he is. He's turning left. He's turning right. He's following us. And so they turned, and then he kept going straight. And he goes, we lost him. He's gone. So I said, okay. And I said, he's probably going to where she would have been. So after a while, they drove up there. And sure enough, the tire tracks go stop. And the footprints go, and they stop. And it looked like he was looking to the area where she was. Well, snow and everything went and what have you. Oh, because you. they hadn't recovered her. Right. Right.
0: Okay. Okay. So he's like thinking, "Oh my god, the body."
1: Right. <laughs> right. So they they go up there, they find a blouse, a blouse that okay. she would have worn. Mm-hmm. Um and then time went on and I said it's between um this horse branch and and this area and they were a half a mile from finding okay. her body. Okay. And jogger went by and found her body. Uh, a hiker. Okay. It, Tied the case now to him. Um, she was pregnant with a baby, Ugh. right? So this made precedence in the United okay. States. The judge deemed the fetus a human okay. being and okay. murder one. So not only murder one on Paige, but so murder one on the
0: baby twice. Too. Twice two for the price of one. Yep. Right. So Lester Jones in jail for that. Because they discovered that, you know, what he must have, it was like, he must have like, oh my God, you know, they're on to me. And again, that, that, that thinking, if there's no body, there's no crime. Right, right. Yeah. right. And Which they went to, the,
1: went to look for the murder weapon because I, I kept telling him, I said, stabbing her like this, but it's not a knife. It's like a, a screwdriver, right? And so they were uh-huh. trying to look inside his tools and stuff. They made so let me of-
0: ask you something. Was Did they have a relationship or he just happened? No, he. they had a relationship. Okay.
1: Yeah, he was seeing her. And then Lester's wife went to the stand. And Lester's wife said, um, he said he was going to go turn the lights off in the shop. And that's when he was burning
0: the car and, and oh, her body yeah. and all this stuff. Let me right? say something, Robbie. We could do a whole nother show on spouses <laughs> of killers that say, I had no idea. And it's like, oh, come on. Oh, you know? No. Don't tell no. me. There's got to be times you're like, yeah. oh, my God. Like, okay. You know, you got to feel unsafe. This is, but that's a whole not. It, it, I think that sometimes, you know, because you can be really good. Like, you know, you've heard of like the BTK, BTK killer. and it, yeah. They're horrible. And then they've got this, you know, they belong to the church and their wife and the kids. And they've they've got this area where he tells her he forbids his wife to go into that room or open a box or something. Right. And I'm thinking, come on. My husband tells me don't open that box. Guess what's the first thing I want to be doing. I'm going to be opening the box. Open that box. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, what, what do you yes. mean? I can't open the box? I know, <laughs> you know, I know, I'm talking about a normal marriage relationship. Yeah. You know, yeah. as a woman, you're going to be like, huh? Yeah. Right. You know, unless it's Christmas and I'm thinking you might have my gift in there. Right. Hundred percent. I'm going to be digging in there. You know, yeah. and I don't care if you get mad about it. So, you know, some of those things that you hear sometimes, it's like, you know what. That's same thing like what happened with the Fox Hollow Farm, you know, with her Baumeister. You know, he's, he's got bodies scattered all over the acreage oh, around yeah. the house. And his, wa- and his wife is like, I had no idea. It's like, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it has been absolutely wonderful to speak to you, Robbie. And Tell you me, too. when is your show going to air? Or do Oh, you
1: have- my goodness. Um, I'm in one right now. And it's one of Ward's. Um, really quick, I didn't forget to tell you about this one. It's called yeah. Halloween Obsessed. Now, um, Linda Palmer, the director from LA, award-winning director, called me up and said, "Do you want to be in it?" It's going to Michael Gross from Family Ties, um, LA Law Tremors. He's in it. Yes, I was going to say. The, I'm sorry. I know him more from Tremors. Than I, I remember, yeah, right. from the, but yeah, and Dee Wallace from ET yes. mom, and and mm-hmm. Halloween and all critters and all that. She's she's in it. Um, Ray Davies is in it um I'm in it um, I produced three episodes and also okay. in front of the camera uh, my own three episodes that just showed the second episode you can get it on Amazon Prime in America or you can get it on 2 TV and you can watch it and the what's first- the name of it Halloween
0: obsessed Halloween obsessed yeah and is it is the entire season out or just up to a certain point
1: it just Started coming out. Uh, second okay. episode, I believe is out. Okay. You, you get Misconception of Witches is the first one. Haunted Attractions is the second one. And then whatever the third one they're going to name of mine, they're going to put up there.
0: Okay. Okay. Wow. And well, you've got 10 books. Are you working on? I mean, why not, right? <laughs> you got another book in the works or No. Uh, I'm trying to breathe with all this going on. You know, right, and that's why I'm saying it. Because I'm thinking, you know, the when you look at the, the, the TV part, but if for totality of detail. Because I, I imagine they've got to be able to scrunch a story into X amount of time. Yeah. You know? So there's certain yeah. details that sometimes get omitted. Whereas when you write the book, you could put in there like the whole thing. The but whole yes, thing. I know. Yeah,
1: I know. We finished a series in 2017 and never did get time to air. We did the full series all through the most haunted places in America. Um, mm-hmm. That was called Coex- Coexistence. Um, I don't know if that's coming out or not on DVD. I know it's on DVD soon. Um, okay. And then I just picked up – well, actually, they picked me up. I'm going to help produce and be in front of the camera on a major um, film that's coming out, Lily's Cry.
0: Lily's Cry. Are we talking here fiction or nonfiction?
1: Um, it is nonfiction, but it will have fictional moments in it.
0: Right. Okay. But it's based on some type of nonfiction story. And then they, absolutely. Is it murder mystery, uh, paranormal? Um, Yeah. A little bit of both, a little bit of everything. Okay. That's interesting. So are you, you, will you have it up on your website when that's going to be? No, I actually just
1: got called on that about a few days ago. Okay. Okay. I'm getting ahead of my (laughs) No, but
0: on my website,
1: you can see Halloween obsessed. It's on there. Oh, I'm going
0: to, I'm going to. I'm going to go on Amazon as soon as I'm going to, because you know what? Sometimes I hate to say there's a bunch of shows out there, but the quality, and I'm pretty open-minded. Let me tell you, I'm yeah. pretty open-minded, but some of them it's like either it's the same old storyline that you've seen in 20 million shows. Like they, they kind of rehash the same yeah. stories and it's like, come on, somebody please come up with something original. Absolutely. You,
1: know? um, you won't be disappointed. I so mean, I'm always looking so for,
0: yeah. for all those. It's like, uh, or you know or i like it when they um you know when it's a story and they do the historical uh research on it so that's accurate you know right you know yeah. give me the scoop on it right it's been absolutely, absolutely. great to talk to you you too bobby you so too. i will keep tabs on you and then i know i'm, I'm thank you so much for for coming on the show I, it sounds like you're really really busy but that's a good busy
1: yeah it's like a good busy like you said
0: busy. after two years of sitting on the sofa everybody's like you know, getting back into I this. Yeah, I, we were me and my husband. You know, before we would go to these uh, comic cons and horror cons and all this. And one time we even participated in some. And then you know everything just went. And now they're starting to come back. Yeah, we would have a great time going out there, seeing people dressed up, and you know they had a lot of celebrities also at the shows. And I'm glad to have that come back.
1: Yeah, it's fun. You know. Yeah, um, nice. I mean, I named my couches during COVID. They got names now. <laughs>
0: Oh, shit. that's great that is great, great. Uh, i love that you know what it's it's unfortunate but true i everybody put on weight uh you know the, the i was yeah you know, i was talking to my chickens i you know i have chickens. Yeah, of it's like, yeah it's like you know you start like all of a sudden you know i'm like sitting there watching them a lot and i was like what's wrong with this picture i know right
1: <laughs> i know uh
0: yeah, but anyway, on to better times. Take care and happy Halloween and happy holidays. Okay. Me too. Thank you so Take much. Take care. No, okay. of course, my pleasure. Bye bye. Bye bye. Yeah. Okay. You know, I'm not. I'm not kidding. <laughs> when I finish here, I'm gonna go look at Halloween obsessed. I'm always. I always like to look at new shows. And let me tell you something. I'm. I'm. I'm pretty. Um, Understanding about quality of shows. If I see a real, how can I tell you? When you see a storyline or an idea, even if the presentation is a little bit wonky or maybe even unprofessional, I I, I appreciate a good idea or a good storyline. I really do. The problem for me is when you have the same old. It's like, wait a minute, I've seen this same story of X Y Z. This ghost, this haunting, this murder, this whatever. It's like everybody and their second cousin has done a version of the story. Come on. You, nobody can dig up anything new. You know? Or and I'm let you know obviously with um when you have true crime, uh you know, sometimes they you know, like I said, they it's just you know verbatim. It's almost like the same thing another show put. But you know, I like it when whether it's uh a, a show about haunted house or ghosts or paranormal activity or even true crime, you know, let's 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 go off into the weeds. You know, why don't we look at the history of the location or uh, look at motivating factors? Or I even like it when they even go into the background of the killer, if that person's ever known, like, you know, what was the background of this person? But sometimes they kind of leave like this big hole there. You know, he was born in so and so and this and so and so. I was like, okay, but can't you tell me, like, you know, what happened to this person as they were growing up or maybe even things that happened around them? No, was there any other? Po- I- I'm going to give you a perfect example. I, uh, recently, I, well, yesterday, that's how recently I was doing um, research on an article I'm writing, and I come across a uh, murderer. His name was Paul John Knowles, and he was he was a Floridian, and he a real unusual guy. This was 1974? 1974, 1974 bottom line he he basically he went through like a in, in a couple of months he went through like four or five states on a murder spree and believe it or not this guy uh, apparently he had a rough childhood you know uh, a dysfunctional family ended up in foster homes even got placed here in a very infamous boys reform school in northern Florida called Dozier Reform school that's a whole nother story I did a show on that bottom line by the time he's 19 he's already in jail burglary. And then something broke in this guy along the way, and he ends up being a serial killer. And um, come to find out, you know, he confessed supposedly to thirty-five murders, even though he because he he got um, when he was being extradited because he was he was arrested in Georgia, and this is was the thing. Remember. He had committed murders in several states. So it was like staying in line, you know, all these prosecutors from the different states to try this guy. I mean, he wasn't going to go anywhere, you know. And um, he he also, like, you know, he confessed there's a very famous uh, child abduction case, uh, one of many, that occurred right around the time because this is the thing this guy, he is. Like I said, he goes to, to prison here in Florida, in Brayford, which is the state the state pen for burglary. He's 19. Might have been rough. Okay. He starts this correspondence pen pal kind of deal with this woman, divorcee, who lives in San Francisco. All right. She comes down, obviously, and they meet. She comes from San Francisco and they become engaged. Pray tell, why? Who knows? But she pays for his attorney fees. He, instead of doing the three years he was sentenced to, she gets him out like in two years. What does Paul do? Paul jets off to San Francisco to claim his bride. Something happened. Nobody knows exactly what that went. Between the time that she came to see him here in Florida, when he was still behind bars, to when... He showed up in San Francisco, which obviously she had expected him. She was the one that got him out. Something happened where she broke off the engagement right then and there. Something spooked her that she broke off the engagement. He said later on that that night he killed three people on the streets of San Francisco. Again, they're not sure how much of what he claimed was accurate. That he killed people, yes, he did. But that he killed all the ones that he said he did? You know, there's some that it's doubtful. So apparently, this whatever you want to call it rage, whatever sets him off, and he goes on this multi state killing spree for like three or four months. Uh, rapes, he uh, kills. I mean, this man was savage, and he was in his 20s, early 20s, and um. What happens is, finally, this last thing is he um, is driving a stolen vehicle from one of his uh, victims. And a Florida State trooper recognizes that, you know, I guess they had a, a bolo, that this is a stolen vehicle and this person is a murderer. We're looking for him. The trooper pulls him over. They still don't know how he... Over, I, I want to say, overpowered the trooper, which is difficult to believe. Because overpowers the trooper, plus abducts another young man, another man. Sticks him in the thing, drives off. This was already in northern Florida. Crosses over into Georgia. All right. Crashes his vehicle because he's being chased by the police. Because, of course, there, there's, a, there's a big extensive manhunt already looking for him. Runs off into a field. Comes to a farmhouse. An abandoned farmhouse. Finds an old shotgun in the farmhouse. And then, he, I guess he goes wandering around. This is farmland. farm area, Farming, farming area. Finds this man. <laughs> tries to abduct him. But this shotgun that he found, apparently, it was broken or it wasn't good. Jams. And the farmer's like, holds, you know, holds, makes him stay there with his own gun until the police arrive. Okay, when the police arrive, they go to the the the, the vehicle that's crashed. They find evidence of the two men that had been abducted, but they're not there. They're not in the car. They're like, where did he go? So they're pressing him. To tell him because they're still thinking they're hoping that these two men are alive. Remember, one of them is a state trooper. And by the way, once upon a time, state troopers, not now, but once upon a time, state troopers, especially back in those years, that had a height requirement. I want to say it was like six or six one. And my point being that back in those years when this happened, 1974, troopers were really tall guys, really tall guys, because they had like a, I want to say it was even more than six or six one or six two. They were all. If you wanted to be a trooper, you had to be a tall person. So anyway, law enforcement is here hoping, hold, holding out, like thinking, okay, he just kidnapped or uh, took the, these two men. Maybe they're still alive. He, This guy's refusing to say where it is. A couple of days go by, and a hunter comes upon the bodies of both of these men that they have been handcuffed to a tree and shot in the head. These were his last victims. Okay he's obviously he gets extradited and one of the times they're transferring him he's still in georgia they're being transferred he picks his handcuff keys with you know with something i don't know how with a pin i don't know how and he tries to wreck the car that he's in and a agent from the georgia bureau of you know state bureau shoots him shoots him dead so basically he doesn't go to trial for any of the murders all right now During part of his time that he's running around killing people, he has an attorney that lives in Miami, all right? He starts mailing this attorney tapes. Remember, this is the time of cassette tapes. Tapes where he's basically, well, see, this is the thing. Nobody ever really knows. I'm going to explain why. He's mailing supposedly confessional tapes to this attorney. Supposedly, one of the times that he's coming back from the keys with a couple, a couple of hitchhikers that he picks up, a couple of hitchhikers coming in from the keys, a couple, as in a man and a woman. They're really not sure if they were abducted or they were just hitchhiking. God knows. He gets pulled over. He's in a again. He's in a stolen vehicle. He gets pulled over by a police officer. I guess, but for traffic infraction, only gets a warning. But he gets so frazzled. By the 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 traffic stop, that the couple he's traveling with, he just lets them go in Miami. He's like like leave. Lucky for them because I'm sure he had intentions of killing them. He stops to see his a, this attorney that he has in Florida, Miami. Supposedly this attorney's telling, or he calls him. I want to say he calls him, tells him, hey, you know, <laughs> you know, I can represent you, but you turn yourself in. But anyway, he's been mailing. Later on, this attorney goes on to say that he had never opened any of the envelopes or listened to any of the tapes. In other words, he was saying all this time that this guy's killing all these people, I had no knowledge whatsoever of what he was doing. All I know is he was sending me these tapes. I don't know. So he refuses to turn them over to law enforcement. And finally, he was, I guess they subpoenaed him. They made him. He got jailed. And for some strange reason his wife also went to jail around that time same thing in other words for not obeying uh the 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 authority he was he was citing client attorney client privilege even though i'm thinking well his client was dead at that point anyway the the tapes eventually go to the uh, law enforcement in georgia i guess they, had, they were the ones that have first dibs on this guy they listened to the grand jury listen to these tapes never released them to the public. Now, what he said on the tapes, God only knows. And later on, a few years later on, Georgia says, oh, oops, these tapes were destroyed in a flood that there was at the, um, I can't remember, it was some type of city hall where they kept, remember, this is pre-computer, where they kept all this evidence tapes. And oops, guess what? The tapes got destroyed. <laughs> Incredible. My point being that supposedly along, around the time that he was doing these things in Northern Florida, there was two girls in a family named Milette and what was it Annette? Oh my God, Marlene Johnson. I'm sorry. I'm making stuff up. Both of these girls are taken from their home. They had three sisters. They lived at, I want to say in Jacksonville. Anderson, I'm sorry, not Johnson, Anderson. Their last name is Anderson. Making stuff up. And um, s- somebody, it's never been solved, comes into the house and takes both girls, ages 7 and 11. There was an older, another sister there was there, wasn't taken. Okay. Taken from inside their home. The girls have never been found. Their bodies have never been found. He said that he was the one that killed him. They think that this, that he was just confessing to a murder that he didn't commit. Because apparently what the idea was that of him sending these tapes was that he wanted to know why. In other words, he was, he was like on a kamikaze. I want to, I'm going to die, but I want to be famous kind of deal. All right. So I'm going to commit as many atrocious murders as I can. So that can't be ignored and somebody is going to write books about me and blah, blah, blah. And the truth is, I myself, I had never heard of this guy before I read up on him. You know, it's one of those things. He did all these atrocious, horrible crimes. And he went on a killing spree just to make sure that he was going to be famous. And it turns out like nearly. As a matter of fact, he was operating around the same times, the same years as Ted Bundy. And of course, everybody knows who Ted Bundy is. So. Again, you know. Which is why I was asking Robbie about that. You know, sometimes you will have these crime scenes where either one the 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 um, the victims never been found, or what's found when it's found it's like there's nothing. There's no soft tissue. Maybe even the bones have been scattered by animals. Uh, sometimes there's no clothing, and in, in other words, anything that could be used to identify is gone um if the method of killing the person didn't involve like shooting or stabbing in other words that there's some evidence on the bone let's say it was a really really long time ago like like the murder of these two girls which was in 1974 you know there's no soft tissue to say how were they killed or um Sometimes you think okay but the only way that some of these cases and DNA forget it DNA is like Ooh. you know sometimes yeah they could find something especially if back then there was a suspect and they had they they did take some type of evidence maybe from a car from a house or something and hopefully it wasn't chucked out because I've heard of that happening and there maybe years and years and years later they were able to you know find some physical evidence or some DNA but again, the longer, or if it was an ex, if it's a body that's been out in the wilderness or buried, or God knows, it's like it's the Robbies of the world who are going to solve these crimes, or at least point in the direction. Um, or in this case, let's say this guy Knowles who confessed to it. What if he really did do it? You know, it makes you wonder. Could Robbie say, "Yeah, no, that guy, he really did do this crime. He really was the one that." Um, was the perpetrator despite maybe the the belief at that time that he was just confessing to it for the notoriety because of course this was around that time as a matter of fact there were five young girls that just in like in a three-month period like june july august or july august september of 1974 five young girls of that same age group disappeared in that area of northern florida two of them eventually their bodies were found the crime has never been solved all right which by the way it it, 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 you gotta be pretty bold to actually go into somebody's home which from what i understand the parent or the parents had stepped out for a moment like they had left to do a little errand and in that moment they were gone like very little time this uh this person came into the house and took both of them and uh and I guess whether whether and, and, and this is another thing also, you know, as time goes by, all the people that could care, parents pass away, possibly there's the siblings are still alive, but even for the family just to know, you know, this is what happened to them, or this is the person responsible. Or in some cases, actually mm-hmm. leading to say, you know what, that Jane Doe or that John Doe that we've had, uh, that we couldn't put a name to this is and, and, you know, and that family is able to give a burial or, you know, maybe according to their faith or whatever the case might be and put a headstone and say, okay, you know, maybe we've known all along that this person was not alive, but we know where they're at now and we could recognize them, you know, and this is what I'm thinking that uh, a Robbie does for a family sometimes, which is of the most horrible scenarios that a person could have whether it's a parent or whatever the relationship is or a friend that the very least that you have that small measure of satisfaction of either like I said identifying who committed the murder or who or finding that loved one and being able to inter them instead of thinking they're out there somewhere God knows where you know uh, because I guess it gets to the point in some cases where, and I imagine as time goes by, especially when you see these cold cases, that is, you know, when when we're talking about, we know something happened to our loved one, but we've never even found them wherever they are. That even it gets to the point where if I never have or know who who did it, and if they're got punished for it. the very least i know that my loved one i know i have them back with me you know that's think about it but yeah this is um this is a very interesting area i I love true crime but i'm also fascinated by um like, like i said tell everybody you know you know all these all these murderers that are not being busted because of DNA because somebody in the family has put in a DNA sample for ancestry purposes so I'm saying if you've got some weird uncle grandpa or family friend that gets all agitated when you're saying hey I'm gonna I'm gonna go get get my pie chart done and they're like no 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 <laughs> worry about them you know it's like why doesn't this person want you to get your pie chart done they don't want that DNA in that database. God knows all of a sudden, because that's exactly how they have tracked some of these killers down. They've tracked them down because they have the DNA evidence, and now they finally have a match. They, they're they able, because there's a way of, in other words, that they can follow it back from that partial DNA of somebody that's related to the killer. In other words, they start, um whatchamacallit, they start eliminating people until it Basically they narrow it down and maybe, you know, the fewer people that you got to pick from the easier it is to kind of determine, you know, especially if that person might have some type of, you know, criminal history, things of that nature, who who knows, you know? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, very interesting. Again, guys, thank you for being part of my audience. I hope you like the show with Robbie Thomas. Again, do not forget to, check him out. His website is RobbieThomas.net and the show he was talking about that's been released on Amazon is Halloween Obsessed. This is the right time of the year for it. And of course he's got 10 books. So, you know, if, if true crime is your bag, baby, like it is mine, definitely of interest. Don't forget to sign up for my Substack uh, newsletter. Like I said, I have, I bring on their news articles. I bring back Links to old shows, really interesting guests. You know, it's just as interesting as it was. Um, As you know, not all these shows really are related to whether it's current events. So anything that was done three years ago is just as interesting. And come back, I have lots, lots and lots of great guests lined lined up. I'm booked into 2023, which by the way, January, we're going into season 13 of Stories of the Supernatural. Right. Don't forget, you can catch us on all the major podcast platforms like Spreaker, iHeartRadio, Spotify. You can find stories of the supernatural. You can find Nightshade Diary, which is where I narrate like classic uh, ghost and adventure stories, like from Weird Tales, Edgar Rice Burroughs, some of those pulp fiction novels, all that stuff. I do it in Nightshade Diary or Supernatural Storytime, which is when I read like some. True life kind of stories about hauntings, cryptids, weird experiences, UFOs, you name it. So yeah, and all the I have all these different podcast series on all the major podcast platforms. But you can always come to Miami Ghost Chronicles to find links where I have the actual MP3 files that you can download, that you can listen to without commercial interruption, and video links which of course, you know, I'm on YouTube. I'm on Rumble. I'm, I'm everywhere. I'm on Roku. If you go to Roku and you look up Rumble, you know, besides YouTube, you can also on Roku. If you go to the Rumble, download the Rumble channel, you can find me there also just as well. I'm all over the place, guys. So come back, like I said, and thank you so much for spending this time with me. Take care.